Hello and welcome to Melee's Turnwheel, the series that takes a retroactive look at the Fire Emblem series chapter by chapter. I'm your host, Imane Melee Kirby, and today we're taking it back to chapters 14, 14X, and 15 of Fire Emblem Thracia 776. Today is a very special day because, for the first time, I am actually joined by another human being. Um, usually I do these alone, but I decided to invite a buddy of mine on, and uh, we're taking this one together, or at least part of it. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yo, uh, I'm Admiral Spike. Uh, I'm a friend of Melee's, and we've been friends for a while in online Fire Emblem spheres. Uh, I've been around on Reddit and in Discords and stuff, and uh, really happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really happy to have you. Um, so I think that, that you in particular are going to be a fun person to have on a Thracia episode, because our opinions on Thracia are, uh, are pretty different. Um, I'm not a big fan, oh, yeah. as I've made clear um, in, in episodes in the past, um, but you're, you're a fan, if that's, if that's correct. Yeah, uh, it's, it's my favorite game in the series, though I will say it's more for the story than for the gameplay, but the gameplay, I think, is still... It's, it's just interesting enough for me to put up with it over everything else in the series. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think, I think that that's fair. Um, I think that this this episode, uh, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I think that this episode is going to be is going to be interesting because um, we're talking about chapter fourteen, um, which is actually one of my favorite chapters in the game. It's one that I genuinely oh. really like. So this is uh, this is a uh, an episode where our opinions are probably going to align more than they would for most others. Uh, I was talking yeah. earlier. Uh, I was in I was in voice chat with a couple other guys, and I was saying earlier how. Um, I, I think it would have been really fun to have you on for for the Manster episode because I went in on those maps i hate those maps so i think it would have been fun to hear your hear your counterpoints for those i hate some of those maps some of them are genuinely just not very good and do not have many redeeming qualities four four i think is interesting but yeah. it fails at being good uh it takes too long and you have to do a lot of meandering and menial stuff 4x goes without saying mm -hmm. uh i i will defend five for being a fantastic gameplay story integration set piece even though the actual gameplay of it is effectively fe6 chapter eight but worse <laughs> and then chapter six i just think is just cool uh i really i really thought i just really thought it was a, like a good escape chapter uh escaping through a town trying to snag as much loot as possible without getting chased by galsus in the army i thought it made for made for a really fun escape and then chapter seven is just okay yeah. but i don't like it that much one way or the other all right. Well, yeah. So your your opinion actually on them isn't isn't that much different than mine. I, I I would probably you know a couple a couple things here and there, but for the most part, I think we actually agree on those uh, quite a lot. Um. So you know, uh, that's interesting. Um. But yes. So today, uh, as I said, we're talking about fourteen, fourteen X, and fifteen. Um. You are only joining. I mean, you can join for as much as you want, but I believe you are only interested in joining for the discussion of chapter fourteen. Is that correct? Uh, I mean, I can stick around for all three maps, it's but 14 is, definitely, de 14 is definitely the most interesting and has far more going for it than the other two, so... Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, so you can, we, can, we can make that, we can cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, you know, think it over and we'll, we'll see how you're feeling when we get there. But before we get into any uh, of our maps for today, um, I do want to quickly do the, uh, the question of the episode because I haven't been doing them for the past couple because uh, I recorded these past three episodes in bulk, um, and I'm going to be releasing them all at once, so I didn't, it didn't make any sense to do questions for those past couple of episodes. Um, so this, this is going to be the first one in a while. 
Um, but the question that I asked last time, I believe uh, I should have probably looked it up, but it, it was like, what uh, what ROM hacks have you played, and what ones did you like? Which ones did did you didn't uh, did you not like? Um, I didn't get a ton of response for that, but I think mostly people kind of just chimed in with like the Last Promise uh, was a very common one. Um, I saw one guy say he had uh, he hadn't played, but he had seen a lot of Super Thracia. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, Spike. Oh no, <laughs> Super Thracia! Super Thracia is basically a Kaizo ROM hack. Oh, uh, no. Of FE5, it features a bunch of meme things. The ghost of Arden chases you around as an unkillable, like 99 stat boss enemy. Uh, the Black Knight from Tellius is there for some reason. Uh, Ishtar and Reinhardt are both playable, I believe. Uh, I think Julius is like a hidden, like 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 bonus character. Uh, there's a bunch of new stuff added in, and all of the maps are extremely toxic and unfun, and you should never play it. That's yeah. That sounds like a Kaizo rum hack, all right. Um, I I definitely think it sounds like a fun game to watch someone else play. I don't think I would want to play it personally, but uh, you know who knows. Um, all we can all we can do is pray that Excelblum never gets told about it, or he will <laughs> for the rest of his life. Excelblum playing playing Super Thracia sounds like the best thing I've ever heard in my life. To be honest, he wouldn't even need to get his viewers to kill off his units. He would have enough trouble keeping them alive trying to play completely honest. <laughs> True. He'd, he'd have to pay his viewers to try to actively keep his units alive and not play sacrificial. <laughs> that would be a good flip. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> but uh, if incredible. I can, if I can chime in with a rum hack, I have my own experience with that is not uh, the last promise. As legendary as that rum hack is, uh, Project Ember is an FE six like overhaul rebalance. Yeah. Uh, and it's an interesting case because I think it's better than most other ROM hacks of its type of the kind that just pick a, ga a GBA game and we're like, let's just make it more based. And then they make it terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, Project Ember is, I think, way the big problem it has is actually just a less extreme version of the others where it's very overindulgent. But it makes it more fun in its indulgence, so it breaks the balance and kind of screws with a lot of the game. A lot of classes are buffed, there's alt promos, like they add in like Great Knight and Mage Knight and stuff. Um, Roy promotes into a Night Lord, uh, Ellie Woods class. Uh, so you basically have Sigurd instead of Roy as your Lord, which is because uh, he promotes with a Night Crest, so you can have Roy promote with the first Night Crest in like the first few chapters. Uh, yes, so there's a... It also comes with a uh, with an alternate promotions patch, which was a lot of fun because I um, I used that. I played with that when I played it, um, and it makes Roy a uh, a wyvern lord lord, uh, <laughs> which is incredibly broken. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to chime in with that. Uh, continue. What were you saying? Uh, just that uh, it adds per perf weapons to large sections of the cast. Yeah. That are very unbalanced, and bows have three range, which makes archers extremely powerful as yeah. player and enemy units, and makes maps that were designed with thin tunnels that archers are meant to stand on either end of not work. Yes, that was that was the big problem that I had when I played it. Um, I think that a lot of uh, rebalance hacks kind of uh, they they struggle with what to do with archers because archers are just so bad in the GBA games, and I think that they. It's, it's hard, right? Because I think they're just so inherently flawed by design um, that 
unless you make like big systemic changes that have long-reaching implications, you're just not going to get anywhere, right? Um, I think your best bet is probably to just make them really strong or just make them all on horseback. You know, it's kind of cheap. It's kind of it feels kind of like a lazy answer, but it's the only way that I can think of to buff archers in GBA games without just like breaking the game. <laughs> yeah, the only thing you can really do is make bows have really high might, but then that makes enemy archers very annoying because they yeah. just. But yeah, so Project Ember is a fun one. I haven't beaten, I actually haven't beaten any Fire Emblem ROM hacks, um, which is weird since I love this series so much. I've played like every main series games like four there times. There just, just aren't really many. Most, the yeah. TLP is basically the only really like major like new game mm-hmm. ROM hack that you can play. A lot of the other ones like Staff of Ages, I think is like indefinitely delayed for yeah. completion. That was, I did play Staff of Ages uh, a few years back when it was like still in more active development. And I really liked it. I think that that was on track to be like one of the best ones. But I mean, a lot of them are on track to be one of the best ones, if not the best, and then they get uh, boxed forever, so. I was a big fan of Midnight Sun. Um, it was an older one um, that featured a, there was a dark, it was, the Lord was a dark mage, and the uh, the secondary Lord was a pre-promote uh, knight with a sword that could, tear portals in reality to stab people at long range uh fuck that sounds awesome uh and it was like a short it was like a uh, like eight to ten chapter rum hack it was not very long um Mm -hmm. but it got shelved for a very long time the developer uh alfred Kamen, could not keep working on it for a long time but i believe a year or two ago he announced he came back out of nowhere and announced that he was actually making a standalone game based on that rum hack that is coming out i think soon actually on switch it's called like Midnight Sun something or other. Wow, that's awesome. But it's awesome. it's not an it's not an FE game anymore. It's its own thing. It's more yeah. of a VN now. Uh, but I'm it's really cool to have followed that project back in its infancy and seen it grow into what it is now. That's really cool. Yeah, because I have heard of Midnight Sun. That was like one of the back you know in the in the early, like the mid two thousand teens. You know when I was getting into the series for the first time. Um, that was, those were like the two big ones were Last Promise and Midnight Sun as like the ones that people always talked about. Um, and they were like, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Midnight Sun was like, it was short, but it was finished. Is that correct? Or was it always unfinished? Uh, it was like, he finished, uh, effectively there was a closed section of the, of the story arc. Mm -hmm. Like there was a big, there was a big climactic event that ended and they, Everything that was going on at the moment had basically been resolved. Uh, okay. But there was there was like going to be a continuation, but there wasn't like a huge cliffhanger. Just yeah, there were gonna there was gonna be a, an arc two that never happened, and now there's a new story happening based on everything that never happened and did happen. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's interesting still. Um, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, you know, there's there's a bunch of ones that are really cool but not finished. There's one that you uh, you know, Gast. I think he's still pretty popular, but he was, like, really big for a while. Um, he was working on one. I think it's called Bloodlines. I don't know how far along he is with that, but it seems cool. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, there's not really a whole lot out there. There was one that people were talking about and playing more recently. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, it's called the the Midnight Sun follow-up. It's called Path of the Midnight Sun. Oh. Uh, and it comes out next month. Oh, cool. That's awesome. I got to check that out. I had no idea. Sun God's Wrath, that's what it's called. Sun God's Wrath. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, vaguely maybe once, but I don't remember. I have, me neither. I know absolutely nothing about it. I know it kind of, it came out kind of recently, I think. 
Um, and mm, some cool. YouTubers have been playing it, so I got to check that out. I don't know if it's finished or not. Um, his playlist on it is 33 episodes, which seems pretty hefty. So it's probably at least like a decent like hack. But yeah, so that's pretty much all I got for for ROM hacks. Uh, I never really yeah. followed up with what you said about Project Ember, but I liked Project Ember a lot. I never finished yeah, it. it was... I wish I had. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that it being fun and like Epi Six at its core is a game that is designed around inconvenience and frustration, basically. <laughs> uh, so all of that being just smashed and torn to pieces, and every character is OP, and Wendy is like top five units in the game, and yeah. Lelina has an o- has an OP unique class, and uh, Roy is Sigurd too. And Fur is has a unique sprite and it does like edgy like green trails of cold steel katana animations. It's like, <laughs> like okay, I'm with it. It's just, Hell yeah. As an actual like tactical game experience, it's kind of just big numbers and hassly stuff. You hit you kind of hit the nail on the head where I think overindulgence is a big thing, um, and also just like this idea of um, a lot of ROM hacks or sorry, a lot of balance hacks try to like you know fix quote-unquote things that aren't broken like a lot of perceived mm-hmm. flaws in the gba games are, are there by design i think epi6 especially is like designed to be kind of weird and and wonky in a lot of ways and to be you know challenging um whether that's always done in in well-designed fair ways i think is up for debate um chapter 14 exists which is kind of a kind of a problem but other than that you know i think it's a solving problems that aren't there basically at least in my opinion yeah uh and in regards to fe6 especially it's 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 the only fe game where your lord is really designed as a king chess piece rather than as a queen or as like a rook or bishop so to speak uh roy roy is your win objective and is essential and you need to use him to win the game but he is not a powerhouse and he needs to be escorted by the queen and by your other powerful chess pieces so to speak Great, a great analogy, which, considering it is so frequently referred to as anime chess. I, I'm sure I've heard that somewhere else. I don't think I came up with that, but it oh, just okay. came to mind and the other day when someone else was talking about FE6. I think I was in a, a YouTuber posted a, a, like a meme of Geese getting crit in a Project Ember map, and I was like, you know, it's great that Geese has Poochie now, but <laughs> but the, the, game, the game is overindulgent. Yeah. I made that, I made that comment there as well. Uh, all right, yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for uh, for the people who left replies, um, and for thank you for engaging with that uh, with me, Spike. Um, mm-hmm. So for next uh, episode, what I want to hear from you guys, and we can talk a little bit about this as well, Spike, if you feel up for it. Oh yeah, we can we can give it a bit in case we want to move on to the mount for sure. Soon. Yeah. Um, the uh, next thing that I want to ask you guys. So in the last episode, um, I did Chapter 12X, and I talked a little bit about how um, the the experience of that map is so different um, uh, depending on whether you use warp or not. And I think that I, I kind of brought up, you know, like, if a map is really fun or at least, like, tolerable if you do use warp, but it's really terrible if you don't use warp, or at least in, in, in my opinion... Um, how should that factor into like, like how I rank the map? How I you know talk about the map? Where, where to what extent should I give that um, kind of the the uh, the attention? 
Um, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Interesting. I see what you mean. Yeah, I think I have a map in mind to bring up. Um, Wooden Cavalry from Shadow Dragon. Oh, that's a huge one, yeah. The Ballista map. Um, terrible map to play straight. Terrible yeah. map to tackle. To If you're doing full recruitment, uh, like in my case, I was doing a draft of FE11, and I had to do full recruitment because I do full recruitment drafts uh, for extra challenge. Um, and recruiting Astrum on that map was such a nightmare. It was like I had to reset so many times, and I, I was I was slamming that save state button. I tell you what, <laughs> but yeah. I, if I had been able to just press the press press A like three times, select a tile on the map, press A again, and teleport and win, that would have been great. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's that kind of thing. But not everyone is gonna play that way, right? And I think I think the fact mm-hmm. like especially I think FE five is a little bit of a weird a weird example because I think FE five definitely Kaga is. You know, he. I think you could argue he definitely designed some of these maps around warp, but I don't yes. know if I would say the same thing about FE11 or FE12. I don't know if I would say that these maps are designed around warp, or like FE6 Chapter 14 X. I think that in the case of DSFE, they did know, but I think they underestimated it because I think that they knew that warp was a very strong tool when they made it like a seven use staff or whatever. Well, they gave you too many warps, and they gave you too many uses. And so in FE12, they just gut it. They either take it out, on, or they make it less accessible and lower, lower difficulties. So they knew. They definitely knew how strong warp was because of what they did to it in FE12. But yeah. they may have just not known it really. Yeah, I think, I think that that's fair. Uh, I think you raise a good point. Um, so yeah, I'm, the, what I've kind of settled on, uh, and I think what I'm probably going to do going forward, I'm curious to hear your thoughts and the thoughts of the others, um, is I'm probably, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's just fair to take both into consideration, right? Because some people are going to play it straight. Some people are going to warp skip it. Both of those experiences are valid. I can't just like weigh one, like more heavily over the other. That's what I'm thinking. But I'll, I'm curious to, to see because I think I think you, because I'm I'm not I, I've mentioned this before I think but I'm not warp skipping any of the maps. Yeah, of course. Because it's a little anticlimactic to say yeah I warped uh, Lara to the end of the map, talked to Pan, and then I just walked in a straight line for ten turns. That's not really getting a clear impression of the map in my opinion. Or the same with like Reinhardt's map uh, later on in the game. I've never played that map in a normal way. <laughs> Yeah, there are a few interesting ways to play that map. Um, charm stacking is a legitimate strategy. Like charm and leadership star, star stack is the most reliable way I've seen to play it normally. Uh, leaf with the kingmaker, Nana, um, and then have like rec- actually recruit Xavier, and then bring him and Glade and everybody else uh, that have leadership stars. Uh, promo the people that that get leadership stars on promo, like Finn. I think gets one on promo. Uh, and just pile on as many of those as you can, and bring a bunch of pure waters, and then uh, and then berserk Reinhardt and let him go ham. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's see that to me that just seems so much more fun than I warped I warped Asvel to the end and killed Reinhardt and then warped Leaf to the end and won. You know what I mean? Yeah, I played that map straight on my first go, um, and it was it was a real trial. I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> It's it's not a map that is very intuitive. It's a really long slog. There's a lot of obstacles, and 
the the bridge coming out behind you when you play it straight because that is a thing at the mid, at the midpoint of the map after you cross the bridge they throw the bridge out behind you and lock you on the other side with Reinhardt and his squad of mage knights. Oh Christ. Uh yeah, that's a whole thing that you'll never know happens because you you warp skip the map because why would you fight this map normally? Are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> Exactly. That's you know that's where I'm at. So I'm I'm excited to you see because that's that's exactly it. Because if I was talking about this like in the podcast and I I didn't I warp skipped it and I didn't know about that. I just learned about that now. I wouldn't have mentioned it. And I feel like that's not giving an accurate portrayal of what that map is like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. So I'll uh, I'll think on it. You know, and uh, I'm curious. You know, if anyone has any any opinions about it, you can tweet your answers at I made melee Kirby. Or, or email uh, at turnwheel, turnwheelpodcast at gmail.com. Um, let me know what you guys think. So, uh, with all that out of the way, I think we can go ahead and start uh, talking about our chapters, starting with chapter 14 on... Oh boy, this is a real whammy. Chapter opens up with a scene of Dean and uh, Ida. Ida? We're going to have to get that out of the way. Ada I think or... Ida. What? I'm pretty sure it's Ada. Ada, okay. Um, Dean and Ida, or Ada, Fire Emblem Names.jpg. Dean and Ada are talking to Linoan, and they kind of get into like what their relationship uh, with her is... Um, Dane, I gotta, I gotta bring up the script. I'm pretty sure, uh, uh, Dean has known her since they were kids or something like that. Yeah, um, they're a long time, they've known each other for a very long time. I'm pretty sure it's why, uh, Arion trusts Dean with Linoan, uh, yes. because, and, and that, that ends up being more of a thing later, the whole Dean, Arios, Arios, fuck. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I just gonna, I, I almost said it and then caught myself. And then said it on accident. The man has poisoned my brain. Arion kind of knows that him and Linoan aren't going to work out. And that's kind of... I think he deliberately pushes Dean towards her in his place. Hmm, okay. That's a whole That's a whole other thing. That Arion's just, just having a bad time. Yeah, Arion is having a bad time in FE4, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, just in, in, in the whole Yogdral situation in general. Yes, Arion, Arion gets a bad lot. Um, but yeah, she says that uh, Dean has been watching over me since I was very young, um, and then she brings some up some uh, some parallels to the Crusader Dane, um, the legendary Draco Knight, like uh, one of the twelve Crusaders. Um, I don't know what he's like. I don't in in terms of like how what the connection is between him and Dean. Um, I assume that they're both kind of like headstrong. Um, I think they're both just cool Draco Knights. Yeah, I mean, that, that's probably it. <laughs> um, I had a little uh, headcanon uh, back when I did FE4 about, um, because there's no way to check Holy Blood in this. I, I, I remember uh, thinking, and it being kind of implied as, the, as throughout the game, that uh, people who are part of the bloodline of a Crusader and like have Holy Blood um, tend to take on similar personality traits or similar demeanors and things like that. Like the the uh, said the said bloodline, you know, Lewin and said and all those guys, they always seem to have like common themes of like going out into the world and helping people, despite like maybe that not being the best thing for them. They become like wind swept people in a sense. Yeah, like literally, literally pulled up by the winds of Forsetti. 
Yes, exactly. Um, there was some talk of, of uh, Arvis having the heart of the Crusader Vala or something like that, you know, like being very similar in that sense, which is, you know, part of that's just like typical narrative tropes of like, you know, people being similar to their ancestors. You know, that's just, that's not like a Fire Emblem specific thing. But I think it could make sense. And I think I, I'm one, part of me wonders if Dean maybe has a little uh, Dane holy blood in him. And he starts holding the Dane scroll. So it's pretty, it's definitely, with the, so with all three of those things, it would make sense for him to have some sort of like dormant holy blood in him for him to take after Dane in such a way. Yeah, absolutely. After the talk with the three Taran people, well, hold on, because there's more. There's more to this. There's a, there's like a lot here that I that I yeah. They talk, they talk for a while. You're right. There is a lot to go over story wise. Um. Yes. Yeah, so she says that after I wrote in my notes, Dean saved Lenoan, but I could not for the life of me remember remember what the fuck I was talking about. Um. So after her father died. Um, oh yes, I remember. Who, who stepped in and and protected her from the empire, for for uh she was kept prisoner in her own own home for two years, um and then Dean Dean helped her out. Uh, and then Arion's been secretly helping Tara the whole time. That's mm-hmm. something that comes up here. Arion, uh, if you don't remember, is uh, Altena's uh, brother, quote-unquote, from from Thracia, uh, Trevant's son, um, and the, the guy who wields Gungnir in the in the FE4. And he, so, appa- I, I don't know, if, I don't think this was mentioned earlier, he and Lenoan are betrothed? Yes, they, they are, they are um, fiancés. Okay, that's interesting. I, I I legitimately did not remember that about this game. Yeah, it's a whole like it's like an arranged marriage subplot, which is why uh, Dean Dean is sent to protect Lenoan by Arion, and then when Arion can't be there for her, he sends Dean, who he knows also secretly harbors affection for her in his right. stead because it's an arranged marriage, and he knows that she doesn't really love him. Mm-hmm. She did it to protect Tara. And for her own like like interests, um, so he would rather her be with someone that that she has mutual affection. Well, that's very nice. And they they kind of have like a romance subplot over the course of the game, right? Dean and uh, and Lenoan, or is it just kind of like hinted at? There's a couple. I think they have like one or two more scenes before the end of the game, but it's mostly in their in their endings. I think is implied, but okay. that's about it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of backstory here. This is, I mean, this is it, right? Like Tara has been, I, I went back and, and listened to a couple older episodes. Um, and Tara has been built up since, uh, chat. Well, actually it's been built up since literally the opening cutscene of the game. They mention it. And then it's like their goal has been reaching Tara since chapter two X when they meet Safi. So this is, this has uh, been a long time coming and they're finally here. So I think that, you know, this is kind of where we get a lot of the information dumped um, and and some some backstory for Lono and Tara as a as a, a city, um, and it's really interesting. I like it. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it's great. It's great to finally get some more direct info on the place we've been wanting to see for so long. And then after this cutscene, actually, we just get tossed right into the map. Um, there's no there's no chime in from leave. I think the bosses have like a conversation, but it's very boring. It's just you know them. Using it's the military talk. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the uh, the map starts and we're immediately given two new characters that we got to talk about. Uh, the first, uh, well, we just talked about them. They're Ada and Dean. Um, as characters, we'll just you know, uh, Ada and uh, is not a very. I don't remember Ada being particularly interesting. Yeah, she doesn't really do all that much. She's she's like a little bit headstrong. She's like, I want to prove myself to my brother. Yeah, sort of she, character. She looks up to her brother a lot. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but otherwise, you know, she's kind of just like whatever. Um, Dean is, you know, we already talked about uh, a lot of a lot of his character, and I'd say like probably the majority of his character for the whole game comes from that cutscene we just talked about. Um, you know, he has a lot of similarities to Dane. Uh, he helped Linoan. He has like a, a romantic subplot with Linoan over the course of the game. You know, a lot of the stuff we just talked about. Um, so we don't really need to get into them much as characters because I think we're pretty much, you know, that's really all yeah. I have to say, at least for now. I think the only, uh, uh, until until we get to the Dragon Pike uh, house yes. <laughs> uh, where he meets where he meets Altana. But um, uh, yeah, as, as units, whew. <laughs> well, it's, it's a pretty wide gulf. Um, yeah. Um, so, do you? Why don't you? Why don't you take? Uh, you want to take uh, Ada or you want to take Dean? I don't care. Uh, I'll talk about Dean because okay. Dean. Dean is definitely a lot more. There's a lot more to talk about with Dean. Um, can Dean. I, can I talk about Ada first, and then you can do? Yes. Dean actually, go first. Go first, yes, so we can. Sure. Um, so Ada. Ada accomplishes um, something that I, I heretofore thought impossible. Um, and that is being a, uh, Wyvern Knight or Draco Knight or whatever, uh, and being mid, um, I didn't think you, I didn't think it could happen. And I mean, she's still pretty good just by merit of being a flying unit, you know, can be used to like rescue drop people, um, has a lot of utility in that way. Um, but man, her stats are just fucking terrible. She joins with like a killer lance, I think. Um, so, and that's it really. She doesn't even have like regular weapons that she can use if you want to like save, uh, weapon or save uses on your good weapons. Yeah, she gets weighed down very heavily by the killer. Yeah, lance. that too. Yeah, she has really bad uh, attack speed. Um, so she's just she's really hard to use. I actually, uh, spoiler alert, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I tried to use her, um, and I, I, you know, got a few levels in on her. She was doing all right, and then in chapter 15 she died, um, and I didn't reset. So <laughs> uh, nothing of value was lost. What even killed her? Was it one of the warriors? Was it the warrior boss or something? No, I left and... her because you have to spend like a shitload of time on that map to get Shannon to show up or Shannon. Oh yeah. And I think I accidentally left her in range of a of an archer or something. Oh yeah, that'll do it. Um, I mean, I think Dean could probably live an archer hit, but she definitely couldn't. <laughs> he in I in, in my plays with the maps to refresh my memory of experiencing them, Dean got crit by a thunder mage and took like. 36 damage and survived or something so <laughs> yes um that's i mean that's the dean experience but we'll get into that he's hard for he's called hard for a reason yes uh he yeah so ida um, yeah but ida, yeah ida. she's mid and she's she's would you would you go as far as to say that she's maybe the worst draco knight in the series oh that's hard she might be because they're they're all they're usually like if you had to like take every character from every class and like just average out their their usefulness, I would say that wyvern knights on average are like the best units in their respective games for the most part. For the most part, yeah, probably. Like, I think the is... I guess the only two Altana feels like cheating mm -hmm. to say because she's got garbage availability. I think, um, I think she's still probably better. Her. Uh, you can you can you can if you really want to, you can save. One, you can give Ada like the Balder Scroll and give her like one ring or two, and have her fight the mages, which she can one round with an Iron Lance at, at like base or near to base, I think. And like she can level up on that map and gain a few stats and then s sort of escape, especially if you bring her to 14x as well and have her kill all the Pegasus Knights, who are like the weakest enemies in the series. 14x <laughs> Pegs have like 19 HP, zero AS, and like three defense. They're terrible. So they're like unbelievably chump but if you do not immediately invest in ada she's useless she's unusable 
She doesn't. So you you just mentioned the fourteen X pegs, and I think you're right. They're incredibly weak. Pretty much everyone run rounded them. Um, you know who didn't double them? Ada. Ada with a heavier Ada with a heavier lance cannot. Yeah, that's why you need to level her. I think, even, I think even I'm pretty sure I gave her an iron lance, and she still couldn't do it. That's rough. It's <laughs> just so bad. She's terrible. Mine um, gained like mine gained like two or three points of speed in her join map, and oh, was okay. just barely able to. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's you need to immediately invest in her to make her even function against bad enemies. She cannot be really used against strong ever. Especially given the fate of mounted units later in this game, but that's that's a conversation that's a conversation for later. Um and yeah, so but I mean, you know, like we said, she's uh she has good utility as a uh as a rescue bot. Um being able to to go to side objectives really easily is nice. Um and since you only had Karen up until this point, having another flyer is really good. Like Absolutely. just just having more flyers, going from one to more than one flyer is just a great boon no matter what. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. I, I never actually finished my thought. The other wyvern I was thinking of that could potentially be worse than Ada is Zeiss. Yeah. Okay. I think that they're they're probably comparable. Zeiss is still alright. I've never really tried and, to use Zeiss. Um, uh, the th the thing is is that Zeiss is completely terrible except his strength is is insane. He has like he joins with cap strength basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On hard mode, I mean, on normal mode, I think Zeiss is useless. I think normal mode Zeiss is probably worse than Ada, but hard mode Zeiss is like pretty similar. Uh, yeah, that's that seems I, that seems fair. Ada has more availability, and I think that she's more relevant in her game because there are fewer flyers, and she's got less competition. Mm -hmm. Even though her competition is probably no, her competition is worse than Zeiss, or her competition is worse than Zeiss's because Zeiss is competing with uh, Shanna and Melody. So yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, but um, Ada has got it rough. She's very mid. Yeah, really, uh... there's just not there's just not much to do with her no. in any sense. <laughs> uh, However, yes. So why don't you go ahead and take it away on uh, on Mr. Dean over here? Oh, Dean, pre-promote Wyvern Rider, Wyvern Lord, Draco Knight. However, however your flavor is, um, he has incredible bases. He has three pursuit critical critical coefficients. So if you give him a killer weapon, he has guaranteed crits at base. Uh, he has, I think, two move stars, um, and he has supports with, I think, both Dean or with both Linoan and with Ada. So, multiple units to support him is nice. And he has a lances and like just great bait stats all around. Very bulky, very strong, very fast. And best thing of all, he gets arguably the best perf in the game. In terms of pure stats and function as as a weapon, discounting the other like factors around it that that will lead it to be technically worse than some other perfs, uh, it could be argued to be better than Graf Caliber, which is its direct competition. I think Graf Caliber is better, but and if we were just in a vacuum comparing the two weapons, I think drive the Dragon Pike Dean's perf is just it's a brave weapon with incredibly high might, good crit, great hit. You can use Dean to capture enemies with the Dragon Pike that are nigh untouchable with strong, like, like ranged staves or ranged magic or, like, push into a ballista line that only he's going to survive in and just tear everything to pieces. Like, he is just unreal. He can, even when he's capturing something, he can usually survive because he's just got such good stats. And you give him scrolls and you just snowballs because even though his growths are bad... For being a pre-promote wyvern, 
you can just ignore that. Make him OP. And it, it doesn't even matter that there is dismounting, because I'm pretty sure he has like a B or C rank in swords, so he can still use a lot of the best swords in the game. You can use a rapier, you can use a killing edge. He's crazy. Dean is so busted. You said, and I love him. You said it better than I possibly could have. Uh, a few corrections. Um, first of all, he has A swords at base. He does have A-Swords? I didn't, want, I didn't want to say it. I'm like, I, I think he has A-Swords, but I'm going to slowball and say B or C instead? Oh, my God. Yeah, he can use the Master Sword. He's crazy. Um, you mentioned that, uh, you know, because of scrolls, it doesn't even matter that he has low growth rates, um, which I agree with. I think that you're correct. Um, however, he doesn't have bad growth rates. He has actually quite good growth rates. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, he, he really has, is hard. He has... I mean, his worst. I mean, his worst is magic. But then past that, his his worst growth rate is speed, which is thirty percent, which isn't even that bad by this game standards. God, yeah, those are pretty. Everything else is like 75, 55, 50, 40, 40, 40. Um, it's quite good. It's quite quite good. Uh, two movement stars, like you said. Um, I think I think his like obviously all of these things are incredible. I think that uh, the highlight here for sure um, is his bulk. I think that he's he's just so so strong it makes it really hard to kill him um and that makes him you know you know more liable to stick around makes it easier for him to do things he does he does take a good chunk from magic damage because you know um he has two magic and a five percent magic growth so um you know don't don't leave him in range of like a wind user or something um he has no skills either which is kind of a downside uh but you can always give him like a manual or something i think that calling him Har, like the Har of FE5 is pretty accurate. I still think Har is better just because Har is like oh, of course. top five units in all of Fire Emblem. But Dean is quite, quite phenomenal. Um, and it's just so funny that these two characters join at the same time and are so, like, some, one is better than the other one. Yeah, and I mean, obviously in the story, it's a given that, that Dean is going to be way stronger than Ada, but... Oh, ouch. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk about the dragon, the dragon pike in a minute because uh, it, it is, you know, he doesn't join with it. He has to go to a house in this map, but we'll talk about that in, in a moment. Um, so yeah, so we, we got those guys out of the way. Chapter 14 um, is a defense map, basically. It is, it is, uh, you have to, if you've ever played, um, there's a map in FE6 that, this is based, that is based on this one, right? It's like uh, chapter, I want to say it's like chapter 19 Sakai or something like that. Yeah. It, uh, it's it's one of the it's I think it's twenty okay it's one of the la- it's one of the later maps in the- yeah um, you are inside a big walled city and the empire is closing in on all sides um, and you need to guard the throne or the the center town for I believe ten turns is what it is um, ten turns yep now at the end of the ten- at the end of the tenth you start the end of the map cutscene yes so. The thing about about defense maps, and this is something that I've I've briefly touched on before, is this is this the first? No, chapter nine and thirteen were both defense maps. They are technically escape maps with yes defend points. Right. The escape point has to be defended, so it is technically a defense map in terms of like loss conditions, but it is not a pure defend map. So technically, this is the first pure defend survive for X turns map in the entire series. That's pretty cool. It's very cool. Uh, these are widely regarded. I think I think people, you know, a lot of people dislike defense maps uh, for various reasons, especially ones from games like FE7 or FE8. 
uh, are, are considered some of the worst just because like they're really boring you know you kind of just huddle up uh, you either wipe out all the enemies really easily and then just hit end turn um, you either kill the boss you know sometimes that's a clear condition um, or you just stay in one place and it's incredibly easy you kind of just huddle up and there's no real reason to uh, go out of your comfort zone um, this is one of the rare exceptions I think uh, this is genuinely one of the best defend maps in the entire series I think for various reasons, and you can you can chime in if you if you hear me not mention anything. But I think for me, yeah. probably the biggest reason is is there's two there's two big ones. First of all, uh, the enemies in this map are actually quite threatening. Um, they're strong, and there are also ballista that are posted up outside of the city um, that can shoot you from inside or from outside, uh, and they can they can hit you inside, um, and they can one shot several of your frailer units. I like to bring some, you know, I like to bring Lara to this map. Uh, I I like to bring Tina um, because it's a good opportunity for her to get experience. Yeah. But if you put them in the wrong space, you know they're just they're just they're dead. Yeah, it's a reset. Yeah, it's a reset. Um, or if you're using safe states, but I'm not. I don't use safe states for this. Um, I would absolutely be using safe states if I was playing casually. Um, but uh, I think you know hitting reset is is also uh, a big a big thing. And you know, and then some of the bosses are really are really tricky. There's a there's a boss uh, that comes at you with I believe a ma a master lance. Yeah, the first one is a master lance. Yeah. So and uh, was it a, a some kind of bow? I think right. He has a killer. He has a killer bow, which can one shot Dean if you just kind of park him there. He can just pull up with the bow and one shot Dean with a crit. So. So the the enemies are are quite difficult, and they they make it to your doorstep pretty quickly. Um, and you can't exactly just plug up the choke points because the ballista are going to hit you and they're going to do a lot of damage. Um, and there's like ranged enemies, there's mages. So, you know, if you have a low magic enemy or a, a low magic character, they'll just come up and start chipping you away with like wind or thunder magic. Um, so keeping yourself cloistered up is just not really an option. Um, but even if it was, the second thing that I think this map really does well is that it encourages you to like break out and to actually like go on the offensive a little bit yeah um you effectively there's a sort of push and pull with the map because you're forced to initially rush out to the ballistas to deal with them so you can move more freely within the city but then the enemies start piling in on you very quickly and then they sort of force you into this like like bad like spot as you try to retreat back within the walls after pushing out to the ballistas and the reinforcements are relentless and very threatening, so it's very risky to push out to the ballistas. Sure, yeah, it, you know, I, I think I think rushing out to the ballistas is a very good strategy, but uh, and like you said, eventually you're gonna have to come back in. You might not kill all the ballista in that time. You might miss, or you might you know not be able to reach all of them in time. Um, um, so I think it's uh, it's if you end up in a situation where you have the enemies at your doorstep and ballista still coming at you, I think that it's uh, it's a really tricky situation to try to navigate. A resourceful, read-biased player might grind Thunder rank on a character with magic to ac gain access to bolting uh, and snipe the ballistas with a bolting tome uh, from inside the walls uh, is an alternate strategy you can use if you are crazy enough to grind Olwen to a Thunder uh, before this map, which in this my, in my test run before this, I did, in fact, do. I, it's just because I was... Olwen did a whole bunch of combat in Chapter 13, so her weapon ranks, like, shot up really fast. Faster than I expected. Nice. So, yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, but yeah, bolting, bolting for ballistas. Very useful. And there's a lot of boltings to steal in the game. There's, like, there's one in Chapter 13. There's one in Chapter 
in this chapter, actually, uh, not that it's relevant for this specific strategy, but there's a few earlier in the game as well. Meteor Tomes are kind of unusable because nobody has good starting fire rank, and Alefire is the best fire tome for some reason. So it's like yeah. nobody's really gonna, nobody's really going to be using Meteor because you're just going to be using Wind Tomes anyways because they're just like objectively superior to the other basic tome. I wanted to talk quickly about how I dealt with the ballista, but before I do that, I, I was curious. So I went to go give like a like a I saw that Linoan had uh, like E ranks in in like uh, fire, wind, and thunder, and I was like, okay, I have a I have a fire tome lying around. I'll uh, I'll give it to her, um, and she couldn't use it because fire <laughs> is D rank. <laughs> Do they, can they oh, just not use she has, she, she has to promote, yes. It is one of my legitimate biggest gripes with this game is how magic is handled, That's actually. That's so fucking weird. Yes. Someone, someone had... I think there was some case of someone not having the ranks until they but I don't remember. I, don't, I, feel, it might like, not even... I feel like Asvel can probably use Fire and Thunder Tomes. He has E rank, um, but then gets D rank on promotion. I could be wrong. I think he has D rank thunder on on at base or something. I don't remember. I have no idea. Um, the ballistas. Yeah. So um, the way I did it, and I, I was actually pretty happy with this. Um, I killed two of them. I killed the two of them on the left. There's four in total. I killed two of them on the left, and then on the right, I actually put uh, those two to sleep with Safi, and then they're they're asleep for the whole rest of the map because they don't wake up in this game. It's one of the rare times that that strategy actually uh, came in handy for me. Or that uh, that that fact of the of the game status doesn't wear off uh, actually came in handy for me instead of just the the enemy. Oh yeah, I usually sleep the iron ballista by the second boss. That's a good that's a good plan actually. Uh, I what I, my usual strategy is to just rush like two bulky units out the left and right, um, and then rush the ballistas as fast as possible. I usually send a hero on the left and the right. Usually Mako on the left and Orson on the right. And then I send like a, maybe like Dagdar out on the left or something. Asvel on the left is also usually what I do. And then I send like uh, I usually send the flyers over to the right as well, and have one of them go down to the Nosferatu house. Uh, and then after I clean up the ballistas, uh, I kind of pull back within the walls and then turtle there. And then I try to have uh, Asvel and my calves sort of rendezvous down in the bottom middle. Uh, Asvel takes out the bo the boss with the master lance and then sweep down to the left before the Draco the the, the event on turn eight happens. But we'll get there. Yes, I so I actually real quick before before we move on, I uh, forgot to mention I gave uh, the Paragon to the Paragon manual. I have a few skill manuals I haven't used. I like to give this the Paragon manual to Tina so that she can start getting that magic up so she can steal more things and that skill up so she stops fucking yes. missing <laughs> when tina snowballs and you have like if you have like five hammer uses and you snowball tina up with paragon and with the Oat scroll and the Haim and fjallar scrolls and stuff she can get crazy you can you can go really handy stuff it's really fun yeah no it's a lot of fun I, I think i've pretty much gotten her to where i wanted she has like close to 20 magic uh she has like I, she doesn't have very high skill but she has like uh she has like enough where she won't miss anymore basically um, so yeah, I think, I think I'm mostly good with Tina. She's pretty dodgy now instead, instead of like getting killed by everything. <laughs> um, Tina's a lot of fun to use. I t I've already talked about her in a past episode, but she's, uh, she's mm -hmm. has so many cool, unique aspects to her that I think she's, she's legitimately like gameplay wise, maybe my favorite character in the game. Perfs are based. Perfs are based. Perf perfs are, are incredibly based. 
Um, so while, you know, as we're in this, this town, you know, getting bombarded by Ballista and by the Armor Knights and everything like that, um, there is, uh, first of all, there's a Gaiden map uh, attached to this chapter, uh, chapter 14X. And in order to get it, you need to visit, I believe it's at least three houses. Um, three of the generic houses, yeah. Yes, there's like red-roofed houses uh, over all over the town, and you need to visit three of them. You can visit more, and that makes the following map... Um, harder. Harder. Actually. Uh, it gives you, like, more of a reward, but also, like, it's not worth it. <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if you if you don't manage your money well and you need those stamina drinks, that is kind of a draw, but you could also just not play the map and not spend and not spend the stamina. Yeah, so I, I would say that this is definitely the most skippable Gaiden in the game. Um, most of the other Gaidens give you, like, really good characters or really good items for whatever reason, you know, like, you might want to go to one. Um, but chapter 14x, I think legitimately, like, it gives you sp uh, stamina drinks, basically. For every for every house that you get, um, you know, assuming that the minimum is three, uh, there will be a villager. And that villager will uh, need to escape the map. It's an escape map. We'll talk about this later. But uh, he, uh, for every villager that escapes, you get a stamina drink. Um, mm -hmm. And the stamina drinks can be really useful. Um, but if you manage your stamina, if you manage fatigue well, and you, like, have a few stamina drinks lying around, you really don't need to do this map. Um, the only, yeah, the only character, the, the, the list of characters that are absolute essential must-haves for stamina drinks are pretty, the list is pretty short, and you can keep a few around for worst-case scenarios, so it's really not that important. Plus, exactly. the only other, the only other real draw of the map is rewarp, uh, but, uh, and that rework is only really useful for niche scenarios, so. Um, but we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Chapter 14X isn't, uh, isn't until later. But the point is that yeah. if you want to get the Gaiden map, um, which in my opinion, you know, maybe, maybe skip it if you, if you feel like it, um, go, you need to collect, or you need to go and visit, uh, three of the red-roofed houses. Um, one of them, one of the red-roofed houses has a recruitable character for us. Uh, if you bring yep. Nana to that house, uh, and have her visit it, you will recruit Homer. Um, he actually has a conversation on turn two, which I didn't realize because I recruited him on turn one. Yep, if you don't recruit him, he talks to Shannon. Yes, so this is our first uh, introduction. I'll talk about the conversation first because this is our first introduction to, to Shannon. Um, in chapter uh, 13, actually, Glade mentioned that Shannon was in the city but was refusing to help, and that was kind of our hint that, like, okay, well, maybe there's something up. Maybe there's, you know, this guy is uh, is not on the level. Um he actually gets uh, referenced. I think there's this is a there's an NPC in chapter eight of FE four that talks about a guy running around impersonating Prince Shannon. The build, cool. the, the, the build up is crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you don't recruit Homer by turn two, uh, he has a conversation with this guy who looks kind of like Shannon, um, but is clearly not. And his name is is Shannon uh, Shanam. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but. Um, there will never be an image as classic or as uh, vaunted as Homeros' third annual shindig. I don't know that I'm familiar with that. You're going to have to send it to me. Oh, no. It's it's an old meme. This is like a vintage like 2015-2016 meme from before my time. Uh it's it's just like an image for like Homer throwing like a like a fire festival style like event. Like like a like a like an ugly like garish like 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 flyer poster thing called Homeros's third annual shindig. Uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, okay, 
Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to. I'll uh, send it to me, or I'll, I'll look it up later because that sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to see if I have it around. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know if it's been post. I don't know if it's been posted anywhere recently. So I'll have to dig through my folders. <laughs> uh, okay, so I just read it. Um, Homer uh, talks to uh, Shanam and basically says, you know, like, hey, I know you're not Prince Shannon. Um, these guys. This is the first time that these guys are meeting, uh, or at least like the first time that Homer is confronting him on the truth. Um, and Shannon mm-hmm. is like trying to run away. Homer says, like, I can't blame you. If you're not really the prince, then like, why would you stay? Um, so you know, I'll see you later. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm gonna stick around and get laid tonight, and then I'll probably head out in the morning. Um, so this is your fir- first of all, your first indication that Homer exists, but then also uh, your first indication that Shannon exists, other than just like hearing about him. Um, and they're both really cool. I like them a lot. Um, and then Shannon leaves. Uh, but if you visit this house with Nana, uh, you recruit Homer. And basically, Homer uh, tries to hit on her, if I'm not mistaken. And then Nana goes full, like, you know, uh, La Rochelle from Sacred Stones and is like, oh, no, you are not. You you piece of shit, you're coming with me and I'm going to, like, make you into a real, a real uh, up, upstanding Respectable man. Society. <laughs> um, and he joins. I don't, I don't know why he's suddenly willing to risk life or limb for you. <laughs> Um, this is even... just, I think it's just, a, I think it's just a Sita moment of, damn, this girl's hot and she's royal. I mean, yeah, that might, that might, like, it's explicit with characters like Liffis, right? He wants to get laid by Safi real bad. Um, down atrocious. He's incredibly down atrocious. Um, but the, uh, this guy, you know, he, he thinks not as cute, but, uh, you know, I don't know if he, I don't know if he thinks she's that cute, but apparently because he's, he sticks around, um, but yeah, so Homer joins. Um, Homer, uh, I just said that Tina is probably my favorite character gameplay-wise in this entire game, but Homer gives her a real run, run for her money. Homer is such a fun guy. Um, so his, the, main, the main selling point for him, uh, first of all, he is a, uh, he's a bard. Um, and bards, you know, similarly to, uh, to Lewin from uh, FE, uh, FE4, he can use light magic, although Lewin definitely specialized more in wind magic. Um, Homer pretty much exclusively uses light magic. I think his, his ranks in the other ones are not. It, it, actually, is it just light and thunder that he can use? Uh, he has all? ranks. He has ranks for all of them okay. at the start. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, so he he mostly uses light. Um, and the thing about light magic is that uh, all light magic has a little bit of crit on it. I think his base light tome has like ten or fifteen crit. Um, and the other the, the the thing that synergizes really well with that is that Homer has a pursuit critical coefficient of five which is the highest possible in the game i think the only other character that we've seen so far that has a five is uh fergus unless i'm mistaken there might be another one but yeah. five is very five is very rare yeah yeah um so yes he has uh, he has a really high chance to crit on on you know subsequent attacks um doesn't do it every time but it's it's very common um and he's just a lot of fun you know he's just uh he's he's kind of like he he has like a little bit of you know we have Asvel at home vibes going on, um but he's still yeah. fun to use you know like he's not like the best character in the game or anything but he can be all right as like discount Asvel if you're doing like an Iron Man and Asvel dies he's a pretty good replacement you know that kind of thing. And having access to Nosferatu, um, he gets uh he gets a B rank light automatically on promo, if yeah. I remember correctly. So he can access Nosferatu at, immediately after promo. Which is a very strong tome. So if you aren't using Linoan for combat, doing like Wrathful and Owen or something, then Homer is pretty great with 
Nosferatu. Oh, he also, I forgot, he also has Paragon. With, um... Between his already naturally high growths and his uh, five PCC and uh, scrolls and Paragon, uh, he comes with everything to quickly raise up a unit comes later in the game. Uh, and reasons to keep using him. So. Yeah. Uh, and then as a character, you know, it's just kind of fun. Spoony Bard. He is a Spoony Bard. You're absolutely right. You know, he's he's got... Um, He's a womanizer. He's, uh, you know, he kind of like goes around chasing skirts and all that. He wants to have fun. Yeah. He wants to have a good time. Um, but apparently he uh, has a sense of justice to a certain extent because he decides to fight with the Liberation Army. Um, so, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, you do need to keep Homer alive if you want to recruit the best character in the game. So we'll, we'll talk about that later. But just keep in mind. Oh, you know, yeah. Uh, if you don't. That's Homer's, Homer's, Homer's the long con. You need, you need this guy around. For sure. Um, so yeah, make sure make sure to keep him alive if you if you want to recruit that that best character in the game. Um, only on B route though. On A route, this character doesn't join, so you can kill him off, I guess, if you want. Yeah, or just bench. Or just bench him. But benching him is cringe. Benching him is incredibly cringe. At least let him go down fighting. But yes, so that's Homer, a very fun unit to use. Um, and yeah, I mean, I pretty much just played the rest of the map like normal. Um, I I had uh. Mostly, I had like a lot of my mount. I brought a lot of mounted units. I had like Finn. I'm using Hicks this run. Hicks has been a lot of fun. Um, oh yeah, Hicks is pretty usable actually. Yeah, he's just like worse Brighton, but like it's still fine, you know. Yeah, he axes. Axes are good. Being a cavalier is good. Having high con is good. Exactly, he's the trifecta. Um, but yeah, he uh, he uh, Hicks, Finn, Fergus. Uh, I think Glade was there. Um, a couple others, you know, I, I'm using a lot of promoted mounted units this run because it's yep. Fire Emblem 5. Um, that's just like the, the meta of the game, basically. Um, what I mostly, most of the fighting outside of the town got done by Asvel. Um, I had Asvel pretty much solo everybody outside. I had Asvel clear a path down to the bottom left. Um, and in the bottom mm -hmm. left, there is a house. Um, and this is what we talked about earlier. If Dean visits this house... He will, uh, he will get a uh, his perf weapon, and we'll talk about like what goes on in the house later. Um, but for right now, just keep in mind that it's like surrounded by. First of all, there's a boss there that has like a, a was it a max a master axe and a tornado. Uh, yeah, tome? tornado, which is an anti flyer tome that is very powerful. Uh, so it'll it'll it's one of the few things in the map that really seriously poses a threat to, to Dean. Uh, right next to his perf. Yes, and uh, then, of house. course. So. <laughs> The other thing being there is uh, is the Iron Ballista, which has yep, a really long range. But yeah, just double range, I think, is the only real change. Uh, I think it has the same might as a Ballista, actually, just more range. Yeah, uh, so it's impossible to, like, you know, you could you can't even, like, rig a movement star or, like, have Lara dance or anything like that because I'm pretty sure it's, like, it's going to be out of his movement range no matter what, or at least, like, you know, pretty far. Now there are a few strategies you can use to get to get Dean down there. Of course, the most reliable and the one that I've opted to go with in the past sometimes is uh, just warp him, have him visit, and then rescue him. You know, simple as that. <laughs> you know, done and dusted. Uh, it is a very valid using warp and rescue for the dragon pike is a very valid use. Of I think both that of those. I think it's it's worth it in my opinion. Um, but then the other strategy you can you can tell me what you what you did in a minute, Spike. But the other strategy and the one that I use this time is to just um kill them with asbel <laughs> yes the uh what i did this time is after i cleared the bottom middle 
um, with a mix of Dean, Finn, Glade, uh, and Olwen. Um, I had uh, all of my calves sort of meet up at the bottom and run, just rush the bottom left in kind of a pile. Uh, Asvel, Olwen, Finn, Glade all just kind of ran in. Um, and I just had them all just dive bomb into the group, uh, go after the ballista, the the bolting mage, uh, and I got very lucky uh, fighting the boss there too. Uh, I managed to capture him with uh, Olwen uh, because Dire Thunder still does tons of damage even when she's capturing due to his low magic. So I just basically just blitzed and. Yep. Skillfully, skillfully did not get killed by the ballista or the tornado or the bolting or the other enemies. Incredible all base. skill. Uh, all skill, yes. Oh, uh, just as an aside, speaking of all skill, um, I had to, first of all, I had to reset this map a couple times, but I, on like the third or fourth attempt, I won, and I, I, I guarantee you, like, I got incredibly lucky. <laughs> like, like, characters, like, missing like multiple 40 percent chance hits in a row i think I, I even had to dodge like a 70 percent at some point um like there were a lot of opportunities for me to have to reset this map and i i ended up looking out so um all skill 100 percent strategy <laughs> but yeah so i'm uh, i'm looking through the conversations for the houses and stuff um so we'll talk about the one we'll talk about uh the dean one in a minute but i, I i'm scrolling through homer's house and there's a few different options here uh, for if you visit with other characters. Um, I don't know what translation patch this uses or if it's accurate. Uh, I assume it's a, a deviation, but it's one I'm completely in favor of. Um, if you visit uh, Homer's house with a man, uh, he says, hmm, a man, huh? I'm not, quite, I'm not quite in the mood for that today, but please do come see me another time. Oh, yeah! Buy Homer is the whole thing for a reason. That's based. That's so fucking based. Yeah, uh, there's definitely some. There's the, the the I remember that now. Yeah, the the by Homer is real. The by the by Homer. The by Homer is real. God. <laughs> oh no. Um, oh. Okay. So yeah, do you wanna do you uh, wanna talk about what happens when Dean visits this house? Uh yeah. So when Dean visits the house. Uh, he enters, and he runs into Altena, uh, the foster daughter of Trevant, king of Thracia. And when he comes in, he's like, Altena, what are you doing here? And she's like, uh, Arion entrusted me with this. It's his personal weapon, the dragon pike. Dean is like, I knew, I, I don't need this. I knew that when I just, that when I went along with Arion's, uh, with Arion's plan to, uh, protect Lenoan that I would get marked as a traitor. So I'm, I don't need his support anymore. And she's like, I know, but Arion himself is also very torn up about what happened. And he wants to be there in spirit with you protecting Lenoan. And af after a bit more back and forth where they, they snark with each other a bit, Dean is like, well, I would, I, I would disobey since I'm not a soldier anymore, but I can't, I have to listen to you, Altana. So I'll take it. And, uh, she wishes him well, and he takes his new perf with Arion's blessing uh, to protect Lenoan, which I think is part of what, between uh, his 
attitude about things in FE4 and this here, where he sort of resigns himself to his fate in a lot of ways, uh, fighting under Trevant, fighting for a, a vision of a united Thracia that will never happen, basically, uh, given what the Loptus cult is doing in the tyranny of the Emperor. Um, it's effectively just a cavalcade of circumstances that Arion can't really do about. So he's what little good he can do for the he cares about matters a lot to him. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I think that I think this conversation is meant to sort of flesh out Altena a little more because she doesn't get a lot, um, uh, and it gives it gives Dean a little more development as a deserter and some of the burden he carries as a result of that. Uh, and some of his relationship with Arion as well, I guess. Uh, yeah. It's just interesting, I guess. It's not super deep. It's not super like long. And a lot, a lot of it is sort of just left up to implication or it's more just like statements of fact. But I think it's a conversation. For sure. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I actually, um, I forgot about this until you mentioned it earlier. I w I'm sure I would have seen it because I'm, I looked through the script anyway. Um, but I, I'm glad that I... I you know, I'm, I'm reading this because I think it's a really good conversation. I think, um, you know, it's great. Yeah. It, it characterizes, I mean, I think like you said, it characterizes Altena a little bit for sure. Um, but I think it, it also has some incredible conversation for, for Arion. And then especially, um, especially Dean, I think is, is really good. Mm -hmm. here. I think this flushes him out way more than the conversation at the beginning of the chapter. Um, mm -hmm. kind of gives his, uh, his, gives a good, uh, understanding of his perspective and his values, um, I especially like the line that you mentioned um, where he says, uh, technically, I'm not a knight of Thracia anymore, so you can't order me to do this, but I'll do it anyway, um, which I, did th I think that's just such a fun and snarky, you know, character, uh, a thing for a character to say. I like that a lot. Yeah, he's very resolute. He, he's very firm in his choices, but he isn't immune to the, some of the more sad aspects of his choices. So, mm -hmm. For sure. I think... I think um, it, there are some things he can't let go of. Yes, I think it, it clears up a little bit. You know, at the beginning, I think it's it's easy to interpret that as, um, you know, when they say like Arion is having Dean do this, it's it's easy to interpret that as like you know Dean's doing it because he's under orders. And I think that this conversation really helps to clear up like yes, he's being ordered to do it, but he could have said no and he did not say no. He chose to do this. He felt like it was it was something that he wanted to do, and he's steadfast in his decision. And I think that's really really cool. I like that a lot. Um, and yeah, so after that, you get the Dragon Pike, which, as we talked about, is a is his perf weapon. It is uh, it is two uh, a brave brave weapon has consecutive hits. Um, it has uh, some crit on it, I believe, really high might and and skill uh, and hit. Um, it's just a really good weapon all around, and it makes him it makes him uh, a really 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 good unit. Not that he wasn't already, but you know what I mean. Oh yeah, it gives vantage as well. I forgot. Oh fuck. <laughs> so it's a it's a vantage brave weapon. As well, which is, you know, it's, it's fair. It's fair and balanced. Fair, extremely uh, fair and extremely balanced. It doesn't actually have crit, though. I was wrong. I think it's just that he had support from Ada at the time. Yeah. So I was mistakenly thinking, this this gives him like 10 crit or something. No, he had the support. Yes, uh, okay. And then he also just has like high skill as well, I think, right? Yep, just high stats in general. So he yeah, gets more sure. crit. Um, okay. And then um, 
on turn and so there's a couple more events before the chat at, at this point basically the chapter is is over like once you once you clear out some of the reinforcements reinforcements come from like the left and right for a while there's yes like a lot of uh, mages and stuff uh this is an interesting aspect of the map that i think is worth talking about um the mechanics of the reinforcements are abusable to a degree uh, um i didn't know this go on uh there is a limit to how many enemies can be on the map there is a 50 enemy cap once the enemy cap is hit, they will stop spawning, uh, which means that I believe the green, the, the thing we're about, the, there are two final waves of reinforcements that are going to happen at the end of the map. We're at turn eight now in terms of timeline. Uh, but if you clog the map with enough enemies by blocking the doorways and gaps in the walls with unequipped cavalry, uh, you can cap the enemy count and prevent any more reinforcements from spawning and just stall the map with weaponless cavalry because if you use weaponless infantry they'll get captured but calves cannot get captured even if they are weaponless right oh yeah okay so you just like take finn and glade and a few others and just stick them as bodies in the way and you can there's a legitimate tactic to beating the map by stalling out the reinforcements which there are a lot of reinforcements 10 reinforcements spawn every turn for the first few turns of the map i think turn one to six every turn so that's a total of 60 extra enemies on top of the like already like decent size of the force that on the initial map and every wave i believe has two axe armors uh, uh a bow armor uh a lance armor with a great lance who is very threatening these guys are these guys do a ton of damage uh and a thunder mage who is can be annoying but it's usually pretty easy uh, but these Great Lance guys have like 30 attack and are pretty accurate because there's uh, the boss has a lot of authority stars, so their hit rates are really high. And they can just overwhelm you very easily. So the stall strategy is a pretty safe way. I believe it's used in some like uh, LTCs uh, so that there could be more action economy given to events within the walls and like getting the uh, distant objectives. Uh, that's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. It's a really cool I just think it's a really neat thing to point out that the reinforcement cap can be exploited for a strategy. Yeah, no, I, I actually had no idea about that. That's really interesting. Um thanks for bringing it up because that's that's a really that's a really I don't know it's, it's it sounds like a kind of a kind of a uh very stally kind of um Parker Oh, it's strategy. a It's a super stally strategy. However, it means that uh you can um it, say you're doing like an Iron Man or something, or you're doing a say zero percent growths where your characters are not equipped for fighting all those enemies, uh, plugging them up so that you do not have to interact with the map mechanics. It can just sort of send your flyers around uh, the big balls of enemies that don't want to move away from their obje- objective, uh, and then just go get the houses. Pretty nice. Yeah, no, it's abs- it's a complete. It seems like a completely valid strategy and a cool, you know, new way to try out playing this map in the future if you feel like it. But yes, so um, I my my personal experience with this map is that like I eventually just like killed all the enemies. Um, took a lot yep. of weapon uses, but I, eventually I got it down to like pretty much nothing. You know, there's just a, few, a handful of enemies here and there. Um, on turn eight, however, um, we get some reinforcements from uh, not we the enemy gets some reinforcements from. Thracia. From the south. Um, yes, from the south. They come in from the bottom of the map, um, and they are Thracian Draco Knights. Among them are uh, Trevant and Arion. 
Um, they have like mm-hmm. a little conversation um, about like uh, um, political political events and like the threat of the empire um, and Trevant's vision for Thracia that has been taken away by the power of uh, the Loptus cult and its influence. Uh, Arion is just kind of like, you know, Dad, maybe we don't need to do this. And Trevant's like, are you stupid? Of course we have to do this. We're <laughs> going to get fucking stomped out by the Empire if we don't do this. He's like, yeah, okay, you got it. Uh, and then Arion asks Trevant to leave the capture of the city to him because he has a plan to try to protect Linoan and the Liberation Army. Uh, mm-hmm. that we will see in short order. Yes, and Trevant, Trevant smells something fishy. He's like, you're up to something. But he also doesn't really care. He's like, as long as the city ends up mine by the end of the day, it does not matter to me how you go about doing this. So, you know, mm-hmm. good characterization for Trevant there. Um, I think this whole thing is pretty good characterization for both of them. Arion, especially, I complained a little bit about Arion in the um, in my FB4 episodes just because I feel like his character is a little scattershot in that game. Yeah, um, it's a little weird. I agree. Uh, but I think I think he's portrayed a lot more consistently here, which I think is is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know he uh, Trevant is just like so he's seething and mauling so badly over the fact that um, House Freege kicked their ass um, and took back Leinster. <laughs> so I think you know he's 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 still salty about that, and I think it's it's fun to see them interact uh, around stuff like that. Oh, hold on a second, hold on a moment. Oh, no, this is, um, yeah, this is, I'm sorry, I, I mixed up the, the turn 8 conversation with the turn 10 conversation. So the, the reinforcements oh. first show up on chapter, on, on turn 8, um, and then there's like a very brief conversation. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Trevant shows up and he's like, all right, McCloy, go get him. And he's like, yes, sir. Yes, and then they, they show up. I They just all suicided off of Asvel for me. Yeah, the only real thing with these guys is they are green units, but they are enemy units, uh, and... It is not. It is not immediately apparent to a someone who does not know how this works that they will attack you like any other enemy. However, they all have an RNG percent chance to move. I don't know the stats on it, but I just know that there is a random chance that they will move or not move. That's uh, interesting. They all moved for me, so I must have gotten really yeah. unlucky. Uh, in some ways, it can be considered lucky that they all move because it means they're all in range for you to attack them. Yeah. Uh, in my case, I think two of them stayed behind and four of them moved. Uh, or however many it's, I think there's seven actually. So, uh, five of them moved and two of them stayed. Uh, but they come flying up the middle and they can be a sort of surprise. If you're kind of scattered around and you don't have anyone in place to deal with them, considering it feels like the map is sort of over at that point, uh, they can be sort of a shot in the arm. Like, Oh crap, I'm not out of the woods yet. Yes. <laughs> um, I would agree with that. And I think I, but I think you know they're mostly pretty manageable. They all they all suicided off of Asvel for me, so I don't know if they're like actually strong just because Asvel is like my best combat unit. So I don't. They're really not super threatening. The boss yeah. has kind of high stats, um, but he, and he has like a silver weapon, I think. But you, if he gets taken down in one round of combat with like most strong like carries, so okay, I don't think that these these guys are mostly bad as like a surprise. Like if you don't have if if someone weak gets caught out in the middle. Uh, and if you don't know that they're coming and you don't like reposition your team well, uh, thinking that the map is over and this happens again on the next turn, kind of, um, yes, this is, these were the ones that almost got me. This is where my my luck got pushed to an absolute extreme. Um, because Marita was in range of these guys and she had to dodge like five of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
I played the map, and uh, I had to go back to turn one because my marine died to these guys. Uh, oh. And then when I replayed the map, this is a very funny story. Uh, Marita and Homer were both over there, and I'm like, okay, I think Homer might be able to fight these guys at base. They have high damage, but they're pretty inaccurate. So if I give him a pure water, he can take like one hit or two and then dodge tank. Uh, the first one missed. The second one hit him and put him at one HP and poisoned him. And then the third one hit him and captured him in melee range. <laughs> and then I had to run Marita over and dance her uh, because she had, like, moved up to, like, the arena or something to do something. I don't remember why. Uh, oh, yeah, there's an arena on this map. Yeah. There is. It's, it effectively is a free map for arena turn. I had Marita come over to rescue him, and she had just enough con from my, like, farming session. I was grinding a bunch of levels on her on the Eastern Reinforcements. Uh, great map to level up Marita and any other weak characters that, like, Tina is a given because she's a staff unit, but... Mm -hmm. There's so many enemies and a lot of axe armors in particular that pile up that Marita can have easy pickings with. Um, so if you, and if you haven't had a good chance to level her up so far, uh, this is your great chance to get her online with a bunch of levels. Because uh, sure. Marita is Marita is very bonkers. But uh, I got enough con on her to capture the Jormungandr sorcerer uh, <laughs> and uh, just barely survived the turn. Uh, with all of them attacking her, uh, even while capturing one of the guys, she survived. Wow. Uh, and the, and uh, Homer was at, remember, 1 HP and poisoned. And that was true <laughs> after I rescued him. So I had to have him run to the other side of Maria, trade all of the items that got stolen from him back from the enemy that she captured, and then take a vulnerary. And if he had gotten hit again, he might have died. Because yeah. his pure water got removed when he was captured. Oh, I didn't know that that's how that worked. Uh, I didn't know because I don't think I had ever had a unit with pure water get captured before. But if they get removed from the map uh, like that, they get their buffs removed. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Today, today I learned. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, yeah that so, was my that was my adventure, my winning clear of, of chapter fourteen. So it sounds like we we both had a, a pretty wild experience. Um, this is my fault because I actually I uh, derailed before actually doing this, but um, we never said like what the reinforcements were. Um, is like a big wall of dark mages or sorcerers that come from the right side. Um, Loptir cultists. They can, you know, they can get pretty far um, and they hit like a truck. The Loptir mages are, do a shit ton of damage in this game. We'll talk mm -hmm. more about that in chapter 14x, but um, there's like one guy in that map that fucking destroys you. But um, yeah, but if you can survive, I think they come, what is it, chapter or uh, turn nine or turn, turn 10? Turn they nine, come? they're only on the map for two turns, so they aren't that present. Yes. But they can be a last, like, second, like, oh, crap. Even more, and since they're way more threatening than the wyverns, and they do magic damage, it's just like, oh, you can get you can get spooked and die. For and if you're sure. someone who's playing without using save states, that's a that's a nasty reset to experience, especially blind. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, I've, I've, mm, I, well, we can, if you're interested, we can get more into this later, but I've, I've mentioned that I, I genuinely think that this game should not be play blind. I, I heartily recommend people to play with a guide rather than playing blind. Uh, yeah, I think that there are some things in the game that are just like... It, it isn't that beneficial in terms of your experience to go through it blind. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's actually true in most FE games. Um, I don't think it matters that much to play most of them blind. Um, I think this is definitely the game where it hurts the most to play blind, though. 
Yeah, I think the ones that it was really bad, FE6 kind of sucks to play blind, especially on hard mode. As someone who has played FE6 hard mode blind, never, never do it. Never, ever, how, ever do how it. How did you even do that? Did you just, did you get the game and then did you just like download a completed save? Yeah, I downloaded a, I downloaded a ROM to play because I was a dumb 14-year-old downloading <laughs> the FE GBA games on his GBA for iOS on his iPhone 4 in f- freshman year. And I was like... I was like, yo, hard mode? That's for me. I'm a hard mode gamer. I've played Fire Emblem Awakening. I know what I'm doing. I've got this shit. That game's easy peasy. I got destroyed. I got ruined by that game. Music hard mode was so hard to play. It was my first real Effie game that wasn't Awakening. That sounds like one hell of an experience. <laughs> uh, it's why it's it's why I have such such like like good feelings for that game because beating maps in that game felt like legitimately such an accomplishment. I was like, I'm literally the best strategy player to ever live. How <laughs> did I beat that? I'm gone. Like, I, it was an actual huge ego pump. To beat shit like Chapter 11A? Oh my Ooh, god. Jesus. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, you, do not, you do not know the level of tramp I felt recruiting Klein and, and Tate successfully for the, for, the, for the first time. But yeah. That sounds like, that sounds like crack. <laughs> oh god. But yeah. After the Welkin Rosen's uh, sorcerers spawn, uh, that's the basically the end of the map. Uh, mm-hmm. One turn passes with the remaining enemies, and then the end of chapter sequence plays, which we actually talked about earlier. Out of turn, uh, Arion and Trevant have their conversation. Yes. Uh, and then Arion flies into the city, and the end of chapter sequence with him and uh, Lenoan begin. Yeah. So basically, uh, Arion talks Lenoan into surrendering. Um, she. You know, she thinks, you know, like, we can't, we can't do this, you know, we don't want to surrender. Um, but Arion basically convinces her that it's the right thing to do and that's going to be the most uh, long-term successful plan that they have. Um, and he, he personally swears to her that she, uh, he will not let any of her subjects be hurt. Um, I, think, I think once, once he brings up the, um, uh, the Schwarz Rosen, that's what they are. Um, the, Wel- the, the Welkin Rosen. I believe are the name of the sorcerers. Okay, um, I think that they yeah. So once he mentions those, Lenoan's like, oh shit, <laughs> because they're like apparently they're like the big like they are like, it seems like they're really high ranking lop tier mages. Yep, like they're the head the head mages almost. Thracia Thracia is gonna occupy the city and put the citizenry under their protection, um, which convinces Lowen um, that you will uh, that she will be able to leave successfully. Um, and join Leaf without her citizens being put in danger. Yeah, they're called both. I think they're called the Swars Rosen in older translations. Okay. Uh, and Welkin Rosen and Swars Rosen mean basically the same thing. I think it just in different languages. Trail, uh, legend of legend, legend of the hero, uh, legend of heroes. Trails of Cold Steel has taught me one thing. Or no, what was yeah. the, what was the game when one of the characters is named Schwarz? Um, That's uh, Julia Schwarz from Sky. Yes. Uh, and then also Schwarzer from Schwarzer. Cold Steel. Yes, so that is um that is chapter fourteen. Um, it's a really fun defense map. I think it, it really capitalizes on things that make defense maps fun. Um, defense is my favorite objective in the series. It's just so rarely done well. I think that there's so many bad defense maps, but the ones that are well designed and and really you know put in those elements to make it you know go above and beyond, I think are genuinely some of the best maps in the series. And this is one of them for sure. Yes, I think that this is better than the other dedicated defense map later. Um, 
it has a lot more going on. You feel a lot more threatened. I don't think that there's anything about the chapter that's particularly annoying. That like out of turn, like they they don't have too many gotchas. Um, yeah. They have a couple, not that many. Uh, the the dragon knights are a gotcha that isn't too threatening. The the sorcerers are a gotcha that is threatening and can make you reset on like the last turn, which is kind of stupid. But chapter twenty, which is the other defense map, which uh, is not actually a defense map; it's a fake defense map. Uh, <laughs> but it, it technically has a defense objective that you can fulfill. So it's more like a later game defense map. This this one is much better as a defense map in just about every way. There's objectives to fulfill. The enemies are threatening. Uh, the bosses have good... The, there's a boss that you can capture with good items. He's guarding one of the best weapons in the game. There's there's recruitable there's a recruitable character. There's an arena. There's shops with sta- there's a shop with stamina drinks, which I don't think we mentioned yet. Uh, so you can buy them here as well if you don't go to Chapter 14X. And you can grind in the arena to get more money to buy more stamina drinks if you so choose. So you can probably only afford one or two extra yeah. with arena funds. The ballista are a good threat. It makes you feel like you're under siege. Like the, the energy of the chapter as a as a band of like defiant warriors withstanding the siege of the greatest empire on the continent. It just it really makes you get into the energy of the of what Leaf is going through. I think I agree. Yeah, but yeah. So that's chapter fourteen. Um, I think we both feel very positively about it. Yep. And I think I I personally um it's it's probably my favorite map in the game so far. Uh, so yeah, so that's uh, chapter 14, um, and with that out of the way, I think we're ready to move on to chapter 14X, which is called Yearning to Be Free? Yeah. Or Yearning, yearning to Breathe Free. Yearning to Breathe Free. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I have in my notes, which I think sums up this map, we could just stop talking about 14X after I read this, um, but it's it says, Stupid Civilians Escort Mission. Captures it perfectly. Um, so to get this map, remember you need to get three houses, um, Fire Emblem three houses. You need to go to, uh, www.amazon.com and order yourself a copy of Fire Emblem three houses for the Nintendo Switch. Um, but also you have to visit three of the red, uh, red roofed houses in chapter 14. Homer's house does count. So it's his and two others. Um, and you will be greeted, uh, with a cutscene after chapter 14 where Linoan says, I tried to get my people to just stay in the city, but some of them are not listening to me and just want to come with us. Um, and Leaf is like, we can't be responsible for them all the way, but we at least got to get them out of this valley because they're traveling through a valley at night. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's the conceit of the map. It's a really long, narrow stretch uh, from the bottom all the way up to the top. There's an escape point at the top, and you need to escort the villagers um, from the bottom to the top. Um, they spawn one at a time after, I think the first one spawns like a couple turns in. And, like turn two or three. Yeah. Um, and then as you get as many citizens as there are like houses that you visited last chapter. So I only did three. Um, I don't know how many you did spike. Did you even play this map? Uh, I did. I had like, uh, I did actually go back. I actually went back and played it. Uh, I skipped it initially, but like, you know what? I want to do this just to have a feel. <laughs> I had, I think four or five villagers. Okay. Uh, I don't remember the exact count. Um, and then when you get them to the top, they'll escape and they'll give you an S drink. So that's the, that's the, I mean, theoretically, like you can just let them die. (laughs) Um, There is, there is no, you aren't, you don't need to get them all there and you can like get a few and then, uh, just give up on the others. If you only want a few S drinks. 
And the other aspect of this map that I have neglected to mention intentionally because it's just, you know, it's better to save it to the end. Um, it's a Fog of War map, which I love. <laughs> Fog of War maps are my favorite. I love them so much. I think the best thing you can say about this map is something that we've already said about this map, which is that you can skip it and be okay. <laughs> um, but otherwise, it's just a really forgettable map, you know. The, the Thankfully, uh, unlike in some... Uh, fog of war maps there really aren't very many enemies that are really going to trip you up um there aren't there aren't aspects of this that i feel like are are going to significantly hurt you there are same turn reinforcement pegasus knights that spawn like fucking everywhere but they do negative damage um and at worst you know maybe if you uh i think i i had my lara get captured at one point i just gave her a slim sword and she even even lara doesn't get killed by these guys if she only fights one um, like a level one untrained Lara, so. Oh yeah, yeah. The thrust of the thrust of the map is basically uh, you slowly crawling up the middle of the map, protecting your trail of villagers as Pegasus knights and sorcerers with rewarp, <laughs> which is uh, a very uncommon staff in the Fire Emblem series. Uh, rather than targeting an ally adjacent to you and warping them to a given tile on the map, you warp yourself to a given tile on the map. So it's an interesting item with somewhat unorthodox uses. Um, yes, it does use your turn. This is not FE15 yeah. warp uh, or FE2 warp um, where they can, you, they can warp and then immediately move. Um, you do use your turn. However, um, I, did, I did realize... Um, Throughout the map, uh, there there are I mean obviously there are some that rewarp to you, but there are also sorcerers that just spawn as same turn reinforcements like in like the middle of the map. Um, yeah. So sometimes they'll just spawn and and they will be able to attack you because they didn't rewarp they spawned. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of tiles. Like the, there's a large number of spaces where the enemies can spawn from, so there's no way to know where they're gonna be. Um, I think the game tries to prioritize tiles near you, but it's pretty. I think it's pretty random. I, th I think you're right. And, okay, so so before we get too ahead of ourselves, actually, at the beginning of the chapter, um, the reason that there are Pegasus Knights here uh, is actually because there's a character named Misha who shows up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about that. Right, yeah. Um, Misha is a character who we're going to meet later. Um, we don't really know anything about her right now other than that she's a Pegasus Knight commander, um, presumably from Selyse. I think even the uh, like the Pegasi are labeled as being from Selyse. Yeah, they're, they're, they're allied with, with Selyse. And... Uh... She, they're Pegasus Knight mercenaries that she has hired out to the Lop, to the Loptus, and the uh, the leader of the sorcerers basically just tells her to leave and go back to uh, Manster or to Leinster uh, mm -hmm. because he doesn't want he doesn't want her around. Uh, presumably because he's sending all of her troops to her to their deaths. Uh, I was gonna say something similar. I was assuming it was because um, he was sending them to go kill civilians, and Misha probably wouldn't have let that happen um though misha does try to kill you later anyway so maybe not i don't know <laughs> uh she doesn't really have much of a choice yeah. uh because it's fight or starve in her case but yeah For it's sure. a whole the whole that's a whole 17a away <laughs> or yeah. 18a no 17a yeah you're right 17. eight there's it's 16 and 16 and 17 are the route split maps are the route split maps yeah 18, 18 is xavier <laughs> Yeah, fourteen X is that's pretty much it. Oh, there's really? one other yeah. thing. There's, there's only really one other thing to go over. There is a small set of static enemies at the end of the road. Two. There's a mini boss 
hero and a boss sorcerer with a Fenrir tome. Yes, Fenrir is the long range. I think they um they might have changed it. Was Fenrir the long range tome in uh, in FE four as well? I, uh, I, I believe I believe Fenrir is the long range one in FE four. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I thought they changed it, but I guess I'm wrong. Um, I think they change it. They change it in later games for certain no discernible reason, and then Eclipse <laughs> becomes the long range dark magic. Well, in FE four, there are only three dark range dark uh, dark tomes, and they are uh, based on the three kids of Loki. They're Hel, uh, Fenrir, and uh, Jormungand. Um, that's that's the naming scheme. In this game, I think they introduce a few more, um, but it's still it's still basically the same. Um, this particular sorcerer, the the hero is is tricky too. Actually, I wanted to capture him for his stuff, but then I realized that all the I brought kind of like not very good units for this map, so I wasn't able to like reliably capture him. I thought he was just gonna kill me. Um, yeah, uh, I just brought Dean to do it. Uh, yeah, I had I had as I had I just I didn't bring Dean. I don't even even I don't think I think I just had. I brought all the flyers actually. I brought mostly flyers and archer. Uh, in my run, I brought Ronin and Selfina. I brought uh, I brought Karen, Ada, and Dean actually, um, <laughs> uh, because my Ada was just usable enough for her to be worth bringing. Um, yeah, I brought, I brought I brought Ada as well. I I brought some some enemies to. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I cut you off. Uh, I just brought like people to deal with the flyers and people to uh, deal with the sorcerers, like Ronan, uh, well known powerful unit Ronan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ronan's Ronan's pretty fun to use. That was that was the extent of my strategy. I brought uh, I brought Lara and I brought uh, Pern also to steal the reworks. Um, but yeah, so the the hero is a little scary. You could probably have Dean do it. I just had Asvel kill him. Like killing him is not a problem. The hard part is capturing him. I didn't bother. Yeah. Oh, I didn't capture him either. But I probably should have because he has a killer axe, right? Yeah, he has some. He has some good stuff. Killer, 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 killer axes are super rare for no discernible reason. Um, <laughs> The killer weapon distribution in this game is really whack. You can get a ton of killing edges, and you can get like several killing bows without much trouble. Mm-hmm. But lances and axes, ghost town. There's like <laughs> no way to get them. Um, but he's not really too much of a problem if you just want to kill him. Um, the real the real pain in the ass is that fucking um that sorcerer guy. Um, he has Fenrir, and it doesn't. He, his attack has got to be i think there's he has some stat variation um he has like 30 to 35 roughly attack um he has so much magic fenrir is 20 might for some reason don't don't tell don't ask me why um it, he just does a shit ton of damage and there's no reliable way to approach him without getting one shot um even if you don't get one shot you're probably at low enough health where like even the shitty Pegasus Knights can pick you off, <laughs> which you know is kind of kind of pathetic. Um, so what I ended up doing is I just had I brought uh, I I've tried a few times I just kept failing every time I I think I tried like two or three times and then on the third or fourth attempt I was like fuck it I'm just gonna bring Asvel and then as soon as I brought Asvel I was fine um, because Asvel is is based um, I just parked him on a forest in range and just had him tank the Fenrirs. Uh, I don't remember. I think I just moved all of my characters in the vertical direction, and I think Dean killed him first, and then fought the hero. Uh, uh yeah. Dean, Dean, yeah, Dean's probably, yeah, Dean would probably make that doable, because you probably just, like, danced him, I assume, right? I think so. Yeah, I danced him. Um, I debated using, uh, silence or sleep on him. Uh, oh, that's a good, that's a good strat. 
but his magic was too high uh, for, uh, I think I brought Salem to do it, and his magic was too low. So. Yeah, I, I also think just, like, this map is not worth burning a fucking sleep staff use on, or a silence staff use on. You know what I mean? Yeah, not really. So... That's why I didn't want to do it. That's about it. I don't Pretty think much. there's actually... That's the... It's an escape map, so obviously everyone has to make it up there where the villagers escape and give you the S-strings. And then that's the end of the chapter. I did want to briefly mention that this, this is a good uh, place to employ capture baiting because the enemy, the reinforcements do kind of get overwhelming. Um, even yes. though the, the reinforcements are so weak, especially the Pegasi, um, they are just so, so, so many of them. Um, and if you brought like a character who doesn't you know, take physical damage well, or maybe who's super slow... Um, like I, I had a care, I think, you know, if you, uh, Linoan, oh, you get, oh, we forgot to talk about Linoan, oops, sorry, um, we forgot to talk about, uh, Linoan, but we'll talk about her in a minute. Um, technically she can join on chapter 15 as well, so it's technically appropriate to talk about her now or then. Yeah, you're right, um, but we'll talk about her here, um, but yeah, so, so there's so many enemies, and I think if you just want them off your back, a good strategy is to use capture baiting, um, which is something I mentioned way back, um, I think in the Manster arc. Um, which is uh, the strategy where if you, uh, in this case, we can do it with NPCs, but we could also do it with our player characters like Lara or Linoan. Um, if an enemy can capture you, they will capture you. So if you unequip Lara or whatever, um, that enemy will choose to not attack anybody and instead go to capture Lara. All right, um, Linoan. So Linoan. Linoan's a cool character. Um, we talked about her a lot last chapter in terms of like the writing and stuff for her. She gets a little bit more as the game goes on. She kind of she kind of becomes a pretty uh, major character. Um, well, maybe not major character, but she she has like a lot of uh, a lot of cutscenes yes. compared to most of the characters in this game. Yeah, she has more presence in the story at this point compared to most. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, she's she's um, very earnest. She really wants to protect her people. She puts on a strong facade. Um, well, not for Saad. She is a genuinely very strong person, but she, um, she has this, uh, this kind of like unfallibly, um, or un unflappable presence, um, that I think that, uh, kind of shows in chapter 13 when Leaf meets up with her for the first time. Um, and they kind of have like a heart to heart. She really kind of like lets her guard down a little bit and there's a little bit, uh, there. Um, and she has a good relationship with Dean. She really cares about her people. You know, she she's she's all right. You know, she's a little a little milk toast, but not not bad, not bad by any means. Um, she's just kind of a standard good mage yeah. with staff. Jpeg that can use light magic. Exactly. In terms of gameplay, you know, it's it's very much another like we have, we have Asvel at home, except she can use staffs. Um, so more maybe well, she's probably better than Salem. So I guess she's I guess she's just all right. I think she's just a pretty good unit. Yeah, I think the only thing that really gives Salem a leg up is being able to promote. Sooner mm -hmm. than her, uh, he can access ace staves before her due to having a regular promotion. Yes, um, she does have a uh, story-based promotion, right? She she, ha she has to do a map objective in chapter twenty-one, almost the end of the game. Yeah, <laughs> to promote. I thought very rough. I'm 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 probably thinking of somebody else, but wasn't there a character who they have a story-based promotion, but like you can promote them normally, and it's just like if they aren't already promoted, then it promotes them there. Or am I making that? Um, I, uh, I do think you're talking about something that exists, but I forget what the context is. I, I, like, I, it, it rings a bell, but I can't quite place a, a name or game 
to it. If there was like a list, I, I, if I can find like a list of story promotions later, I might be able to figure it out. But oh, she has she has C staves at base, so actually That's she's pretty actually good. pretty yeah. yeah, pretty great. Uh, and she gets adept from promoting to Sage, obviously, so she becomes a pretty strong offensive unit when she promotes. Uh, sure. That really good strategy that a lot of characters that have uh, access to light magic can do, which is the you mentioned it earlier, uh, wrath, uh, wrath A strategy accessible much earlier with Nana and the Earth Sword because her sword casts Nosferatu at range. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, oh, Lunoan also has five uh, critical coefficient. Oh wow, I didn't so know that. I never used Lunoan did- if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I haven't used her for combat. I've used her as a as a staff unit sometimes, but I've never really relied on her offense as much. Um, uh, so yeah, that's she's very. If you get her going, uh, she's pretty strong and she's good staves, so she'll just kind of be useful in general. Uh, and she comes on a map designed to grind staff rank because she comes with an uh, uh, ensorcel staff, the magic up staff, and she comes with a torch yes. for torching. So you can just kind of farm staff rank on her and get her up to B staves or whatever pretty fast. Yeah, so she's she's definitely she's definitely a pretty solid unit, um, and yeah, so I think I think that she you know just above average all around I would say in terms of writing in terms of gameplay you know she's she's just a solid like eight out of ten across the board. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty yeah. much it for chapter fourteen X. Unless you had anything else in mind. No, that's pretty much it. All right. Um, so once you end the map, um, you know, all the characters escape and everything, um, there's a little cutscene where, uh, they're trying to decide what to do next, uh, uh, they talk more about this next chapter, but Dorius basically suggests that they go along the coast to get to Leinster, um, so that kind of seems to be where they're going next, um, and then we see, uh, we cut to a scene of, um, August, uh, you know, walking around, talking to people, and then he is, uh, interrupted by... Lewin. This Lewin, jump, Lewin jump scare. <laughs> Lewin jump scare, exactly. Um, this is our first time seeing Lewin this game, and uh, I love him. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely a pleasure to see him. Um, he talks to August a little bit. Um, first of all, I think, I don't know if they ever explicitly say it, but this is the point I think where you're supposed to make the connection that, um, like, uh, earlier in the game, Lewin mentions that he has, a, or oh, sorry, August mentions that he has a benefactor. Um, to use his word, and I think this is the point where you're supposed to realize that it's Lewin, which ex- which explains like everything basically. Yes. It explains why he knows so much about what's going on, why he's so knowledgeable and so insistent on Leaf uh, doing all the things he does, why he seems to have ulterior motives of some such. It's because Lewin has him doing stuff on his behalf. It's a cool reveal, yeah. Um, I the only the only complaint, and this is a very minor thing. I don't really care that much. The only complaint that I could level at this is that it's it's a little bit, um, I guess, not predictable because I don't know if people would have seen this coming. But I think it's very much because like Lewin was kind of the puppet master, like pulling the strings behind the scenes in FE4. Um, so I think having it him be like the puppet master here too is just a little bit like you know kind of been there done that. I think it would have been cool if it was like someone else. Um, but I think Lewin definitely is is cool as well. You know, I think Lewin's a great character. Love to see him. Um, this is also where, um, in Chapter 6 of FE4, Lewin goes to Leinster briefly and then comes back. This is actually what he was doing. He was having this conversation with August, which is interesting. You know, it kind of ties in there. Um, 
And yeah, so they, they kind of just briefly talk about, uh, like, August is kind of down on himself a little bit here. You know, he's like, I wasn't able to protect Tara. You know, we weren't able to succeed. And Luna was like, listen, we both know that Tara was a lost cause. It wasn't going to happen. Um, they were doomed. So you did a, you did a great job. You know, he, he gives, uh, gives him a big thumbs up um, and then uh, takes off. Um, do you remember where Orga Hill is? What, what's Orga Hill? What? It's near um, Augustria. Um, it's, it's also near the Bragi Town. Uh, where yeah. uh, Claude, where Claude is, and he gets the the staff, the Valkyrie staff, or whatever. What was he? It's never it's never explained why Lewin is going there. Um, but it could have something to do with the spirit of Claude, which is alluded to by Sleuth. It could have something to do with uh, Avel. Yeah, possibly. It, since Bridget was a member of the Orgyhill Pirates. Yes. It could. It could be for something else related to the Valkyrie staff or something. Um, it's not super. It's it's mostly just speculation. But those yeah. are the two things that I've that I've thought of. I also think it's um it's interesting um because he goes to Orgahill right and he. So I've I talked a lot about Lewin in previous episodes, especially uh, in FE four, obviously. Um, and he's I, I don't know if I ever made it explicit in in the episodes about that game but as i went through the game you know again really paying attention to the story really deep diving into all these characters i came to the realization that lewin is definitely my favorite character in that game um lewin is so fucking cool lewin is so good fucking awesome and i think one of one of my favorite aspects of his characters is of his character is just this idea that like he is um he is a terminally static character he he wants so desperately like as as he kind of progresses through gen one to make this change in his life and to like be there for the people who need him to own up to his responsibilities um and i think he is he is uh, there's like a, a certain element of tragedy tragedy to his character in gen two where like obviously he's helping the world he's doing a lot of great things um but when it comes to like the people in his life he is continuing to abandon them um and i think that that is like that the constant push and pull between like his responsibility to his loved ones versus his responsibility to the world um, is really plays a big uh, dynamic in his character. Um, and then there's also the element of like, you know, Forsetti is in there and like what extent is Forsetti controlling his actions versus how much of Lewin is still in there, you know? Um, there's a lot of stuff in there to in there to dissect. I do a whole lot of talking about him in, in, uh, in uh, the FE4 episodes. I think especially the Endgame one um, the second to last genealogy episode, um, uh, I talk a lot about him, but, um, the reason I bring all that up is because I think that this is, adds another layer to that. They continue to add more onto his character in this game. Um, it, I brought, I brought it up a little bit in chapter four X. There's some stuff with said that I think is meant to be a parallel to, to what Lewin's been doing, but I think here they do it. They, they continue to add more layers because Lewin is in Orgahill, which if you remember, Orgahill is, uh, right next to Selyse, basically. Um, he's a strong yeah. throw away from his his children. Um, I don't even know if Aaron is... I think Aaron is dead by this point. Yeah, she dies of illness at that point. Because this is this is happening... Con- the other cool thing about this um, is that this is happening concurrently with the beginning of Gen 2 of Genealogy. Like, Selyse's adventure mm-hmm. has started at this point. Um, and he's, he's, he's on his way. Um, so, Lewin, you know, Lu- I think Lu- the fact that Lewin was right there he he could have he could have jumped in, um, and he could have he could have you know, maybe does he know that his family isn't there? I don't know. Probably not. But 
Maybe, I guess. Uh, he could have seen, like... I mean, there's got to be people there who still matter to him, but he doesn't go. Or at least, um, maybe he does. I don't know. But he wouldn't. It's not like Sed or Fee would know because they're gone by that point. I don't know. It's, just, it's interesting. I think Lewin, Lewin is... I think I think as as I progress and and see more of these characters um and and get more appreciation for them this might change but currently um just having gone through through FE4 and then like half of this game um Lewin is probably currently my favorite character in the series um I just think he's so interesting incredibly valid like if if there's any like like default like I think the default like best character in the series to pick would be it would probably be like setting aside bias Yes, of course. <laughs> you know, we're all gonna have biases. Like my my second favorite character in the series is Sarah. You know, like she's not like super well. You know, she's she's kind of well written, but she's not like super deep or. Um, you have to really you have to really comb through the like the dark depths of her supports to find her more nuanced stuff going on. And in my case, my favorite character is Leaf. Uh, yes, shocking. My favorite <laughs> game is FE Five, and it has my favorite story in the series. My favorite character is the Lord of my favorite story, uh, but yeah, Leaf is Le- Leaf is my favorite thing about the story of this game because all of the all of the elements about the game come together by the end of the game for me in terms of storytelling. Yeah, Leaf is fantastic. He hasn't really done very much in a while. I feel I feel like the last time he got like a really good scene was in like chapter like eight X or nine. Yeah, around when Dagger joins up and he bails out the Leinster Knights, the Scrub Squad. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some from there, I guess. Yeah. So I think I think absolutely. I mean, we're we're about to no spoilers, but we're about to see like a huge development for Leaf's character in the coming chapters, um, like eighteen, nineteen, twenty, especially. But you know, we have a little bit of time before we get there. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, you know, we had a lot to say about uh, this eight line conversation between Lewin and August. Um, but I mean, that's, that's what Lewin does, I guess. He just enhances everything that he's in. Um, everything he touches turns to gold. Yeah. That's chapter 14 X. Um, you have any Mm -hmm. final thoughts before we move on? Uh, no, not at all. All right. Um, so last but not least for this episode, we have chapter 15, which is called two paths. Um, so the opening narration for this chapter talks about how there's kind of like a little bit of a debate going on. Um, between the various factions in the army, because at this point, um, I think I think that this this um, in every Fire Emblem game, each uh, army is kind of like made up of various groups and various people who have like their own ideas and motivations. This is really, I think, the best the series ever gets at like representing that, um, because they talk about like what do the people want, like what are the various factions interested in. Um, it talks about how the Magi and the Fianna Freeblades really want to go free Manster right now. Um, because they don't really know where to go next, right? Like, they, they just freed Tara. This has been their goal for, like, the entire game up to this point. They, they just need to figure something out. Yes. Um, so their choices are between Manster and Leinster. The Magi and the Fianna Freeblades would really like to go free um, uh, Manster. Uh, and the Leinster Knights obviously really want to go free Leinster alongside the, um, yes, the mercenaries from, um, from Thracia. So, like, uh, Ada and Dean, right? Yes. Um, or the cell swords of Tara. That's what it was. Um, yeah, so they they want to go. They want to go liberate Leinster. Eventually, they decide to uh, go to Leinster first, um, and that like, I think they decide that um, liberating Leinster was more advantageous. Um, and presumably, you know, if they went to go free Manster, 
Leinster would just come and fuck them up anyway. So it's probably a better call for them to go to Leinster is what they ended up deciding. Um, and then now it's just a matter of um, deciding which way to get to Leinster. Um, there are two ways that they propose. Dorius and August both have um, different opinions. Dorius wants to go to uh, through uh, the coastline. Um, and there's a specific um, name for the place that he wants to go. Noderhain, I believe. Uh, Noderhain. Noderhain, yes. Um, he wants to go uh, through the coastline through, like, basically the front door. He wants to go yep. and he wants to knock on the front door and say, Yoo-hoo, the Liberation Army's here. And August wants to go through the back door. Um, you know, <laughs> August August likes going in the back door, I guess. But um, he wants to go through uh, the, uh, the forest called... Um, it has, like, a specific name. It's, like... Uh, uh, Swedish or something called the Mirage Forest as a nickname. Yeah, the Mirage Forest is what I remember. They have both of these plans, and what I really like about this 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 is a route split, right? You're you're choosing which way to go, and that's going to determine the chapters that you you play for the next few uh, next few chapters. Um, now, route splits are a series staple. Um, they appear in almost every game to a certain degree, and then obviously the the two newest games. Um, or the two newest original games, Fates and Three Houses, are centered around route splits. Um, and, you know, in almost every game has them. And I think most games, they're basically, like, completely arbitrary, right? Like, I think of FE6, you know, the game right after this one. And it's like, the first route split is based on what house you visit in a certain chapter. And that doesn't, there's no connection between those two things, right? Uh, I think the absolute extent of the straw man is that the, the dialogue of the house is more geared towards whatever place you go to, but that's not an active decision-making thing on your part. It has nothing to do with your choices. Yes. It's that one villager tells you about, like, the mines, and the other one tells you about, like, the villages or something. Yeah. Uh, and you go to the mining village first in one of them, and then you go to the big village first in the other one. And it's just, like, if that was broadcasted to the player and made an active thing, like, like if... Uh, before before Guinevere leaves, she's like, "Hey, so if you meet with people here, they may tell you where you want to go. So, uh, depending on on whose directions you get, you may end up going to different parts of the island or something. That would be a good way to broadcast that your choices will matter." Absolutely, absolutely. This route split, they really like. They lay out what are the pros and cons of each strategic decision, um, and you can have like various reasons for for doing for picking it right like you could pick one uh route because it's legitimately what you feel to be the better strategic option um you could pick one route because you like one of the characters more like i like august more than dorius so i'd be more inclined to go with august uh august side um mm -hmm. every time that i've played through this game beforehand though the thing that i based it on is basically people saying that a route uh, is better, and that B route sucks and is annoying. Um, a route being what Dorius wants, and then B route being what what uh, August wants. Uh, I have mostly done route A as well. I have done route B twice. I'm going to do route B in this run. I actually stopped at chapter fifty uh, on purpose because uh, it's what I needed to get up to. B route um, has some advantages going for it um, in terms of items that you get. Um, it has a couple of unique characters. But overall, um, the maps in B-Route are more... The first map of B-Route is very, very annoying, especially blind. Um, mm -hmm. And the second map of B-Route has uh, a lot more ballistas than the equivalent map on A-Route. Uh, so it's kind of just 
a given that you would want to play the map with less ballistas. Uh, and then the the two maps on A route are pretty straightforward and fairly harmless. And uh, one of the and the character that you recruit in the second A route map is incredibly based and uh, is worth and she's worth it. But she's for another day. So I I have never actually done B route before. I've only I played through this game twice or maybe three times, and I've gone A route every time. So this will be my first time doing B route. I am actually going to uh, to at least an extent where I can. Um, I am going to be doing every single map uh, in the entire series, which means I'm going to be, um, in terms of route splits, I'm going to be save stating right before I make a choice, and then I'm going to be doing one path, loading the save state, and then doing the other path, and then picking which one to continue from based on things like level ups or you know which characters I get, which uh, you know what uh, what items I get, things like that. I can't wait for you to get five move growths in the Miranda map exactly. and be forced to take the route. That'll be the best day of my life. I plan to continue from B route because um, I want I very much want to use a certain character that you get on B route. <laughs> Can't wait for you to tell him about him. Uh, I'm very excited to get there as well, and we meet him this chapter. Um, technically, you could have met him in 14, but I didn't. Um, we're getting ahead of ourselves though, considerably. I mean, it's important to know this stuff going into this chapter um, because basically, the the um, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a more thorough rundown of like what the the pros and cons of each are. Um, so basically, August argues, um, well, the the forest is going to be significantly less guarded, um, and then, uh, but Dorius counters like, well, it's going to be less guarded, but also like it's a forest called the Mirage Forest. It's very easy to get lost in. Um, it's very difficult to traverse. Besides, I want to go the the front way um, because it's basically going to be more inspiring. He wants this to be something that people talk about. He doesn't want the Liberation Army to sneak in the back. He wants them to be like go in guns blazing, make a real show of it, and and um, have people be talking about it, and it'll inspire more uh, faith from the populace. Um, August kind of says like, well, there more people are gonna die if we do it that way. Dorius um, says like, uh, I am aware of this, but they will die honorable deaths in service of their cause, and then they kind of get into like this hasn't been an ongoing thing about like. August really hates the concept of knightly honor and thinks it's completely bullshit. Um, whereas Dorius is a very like traditional honorable knight, um, and they get into it a lot over that. And I think you know this is just kind of an extension of that because August is like, well, we what if they don't want to die for an honorable cause? What if they just would like to live? Um, so it's you know it's a lot of them going back and forth about that so eventually they say you know they put aside their differences and they say well ultimately it's not our decision um leaf you get to pick um and that's how the map starts oh and then there's some bandits they're gonna fuck up the villages that's you know there's a scroll in one of the houses on the left um a lot of the houses in the middle have um i think one of them has a killer weapon uh but uh, for the most part, the scroll is the big loot on this map. Yeah, that's actually the uh, one that I lost. Uh, it's shitty, though. It's one of the shitty scrolls. Yeah, it's like skill, speed, luck, or something. It's, it's like 5% it's like in, like, everything, in, like, two two or three stats. It's not very good. Um, I was It was so funny because I, I forgot that it was there, um, and I had, like, a unit, like, literally right next to the house, and there was a bandit, and I was like, okay, he's going to suicide off my guy, but instead he just goes for the house <laughs> instead. I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot that was there. <laughs> um... So yeah, I lost the scroll, but it's fine. It wasn't a very good one. It's not like the Star Sphere shards where you need you need um you need all of them to get the true ending or anything. It's just it, they're just nice to have. 
Um, but yes, yeah, so you get a skill ring, an armor slayer, and a killer lance from the houses in the middle. And then I, I think that if given the opportunity, they will destroy the church. Although I don't know for yes, uh, it, it, they can destroy the church, and it means that you cannot use it as your routes pick option. You have to walk to one of the arrows instead, which is the standard way to do it. Yeah, so there there are three ways to clear this map. Um, one of them is to have Leaf reach the church in the middle, um, and then you will be given the choice between you know route a and route b um and then there is uh there is there are two arrows on the left and right side of the map um and if you pick one of them you go to a route if you pick the other one you go to b route they i don't remember which one is which off the top of my head but they like they tell you left is a and right is b and there's like uh, the a the a one is like on an open like like sandy plain area and the b one is like in a bunch of trees so it's yeah. meant to sort of visually evoke which route you're going to as well that's yeah that's good that's good map design i i, I think that's pretty good um this is honestly like other than 14 like we we got like two pretty solid maps in a in a game where i don't really like the maps generally speaking i think like we you know 14 and 15 are like pre like obviously 14 is incredible but like 15 is pretty head and shoulders above the rest of the game in my opinion as well 15 is just a very like calmly like designed map like it's exactly what it wants to be and needs to be and it's a good balance of story and gameplay mm -hmm. and it's not super high octane it's sort of like a, a like a kickoff point chapter uh i guess we haven't talked about uh, uh the two characters that talk to each other at the start of the map sleuth and amalda yes um so that's how the the story starts um with this map um in the church in the middle you know it cuts to that um there are two there are a bunch of characters talking to each other um one of them is a priest um uh he's kind of like an older you know balding guy and they they have a little bit of a conversation amalda is very much a uh, she's a um uh member of uh, house frige i believe it is um and or not a member but a knight of house frige but she's been kind of going against them and like rescuing children from the children hunts um you know she's trying to do the honorable thing kind of like how they flag up Hish ishtar in fe4 to be doing stuff like this but i feel like you know they definitely Ishtar is very inconsistently characterized in FE4, I feel like, but I think... Oh, God. Um, Tell me about it. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, she's just... She's so... They try to say, like, oh, she's so misunderstood. She's like the Camus archetype, except in, outside of Endgame, like, everything she does is just really fucking evil. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, anyway. Um, so they uh, they chat for a little bit. Uh, Amalda... I, my, my point with that was basically, I think Amalda is Ishtar done better. Um, I think she's, you know, pretty cool. We'll see more of her, uh, at a, at a later time. Um, and, and the, uh, the priest calls over, um, Shroff. That's what they call him in this translation patch. Uh, oh yeah. I'm calling like, him his old name. Yeah. Shroff. Shroff. Uh, shows up to talk to Amalda about a lot of stuff actually. Yeah. But, it's um, a pretty, it's a pretty in-depth, I gotta, I gotta reread the conversation. Give me a second. <laughs> Yes, so they, they have a nice little uh, back and forth. Uh, Amalda wants to do more. She wants to go out of her way to protect more children. Um, but Sloof is like, if you get caught, um, they'll just kill you. And then there will be no children being rescued. So I know it's hard, but you just got to do your best. It, um, it reminds me of, uh, of Schindler's List a little bit, actually. Um, he, was, he was doing his best to protect you know, the, uh, you know, the, the Jews in the concentration camps. Um, but he... You know, I'm sure he wanted to do more, but there's only so much you could do without getting caught. And then, you know, there wouldn't have been anyone to help them at all, you know? Um, same kind of vibe. 
Um, that's a good movie. I need to rewatch that movie. You ever seen it? I have not actually. It's something I should see. Yeah, it's based based on a true story. It stars uh, it's Liam Neeson, um, phenomenal actor. Um, obviously, uh, it's just a, it's just a really good story about a, about a, a nice basically a, a guy who uh, gets put in charge of a con- a German guy who gets put in charge of a concentration camp, um, and then like does his best to help the people who are sent there. Um, but, you know, obviously he's not able to save everybody, which is kind of a similar situation to what Amalda is going through right now. Highly recommend. That's my movie recommendation of the day is Schindler's List. Go watch it. Very sad, but um, good movie. Um, they chat. Uh, so Amalda leaves after a little bit. Um, I don't think they say anything more notable than that. Um, and then Sleuth and Bishop, uh, the Bishop that Amalda was talking to. I'm just going to call him Sleuth. Uh, and then, yes, so they, they briefly talk Sleuth and this Bishop talk a little bit about um, how Sleuth visited the Tower of Bragi. Um, and uh, when we saw that in, uh, in FE4, uh, Claude went there to get the uh, uh, some information about like Reptar and Langbolt. Um, and I believe at that point it was, uh, it was Bragi himself talking to him. Um, but here, apparently, Sleuth actually heard the voice of Father Claude, um, which is kind of cool. You know, he's uh, he, it's it's good to know that he, you know, he's, he's, um, I, I guess not, he's not alive, but like kind of his spirit lives on through this, this method. Um, it's good. It's good to know that he's in a, he's in a place. I think if you had to, if Claude had to pick anywhere to end up after he died, I think that that would be a good place for him. Yeah. Um, and of course this is the spot where the infamous, uh, light of Zwei forgot about that. Yes. Uh, originates. Please tell them, uh, please tell them about that. I don't know as much about it as you do. I think. Uh, I mean, I, it's been a long time since I've had a long, like, had any sort of s- serious conversation about Light of Zwei arguments. But basically, there was an old translation about um, of of this scene where uh, Sleuth references something called the Light of Zwei that uh, that Leaf that uh, Leaf and Selif would like use like a power that they would use or something or like that they represented. And there were so many debates in the community about what the light of Zwei is. And there is, there is, there is nothing. Yeah. There is no like, uh, there, there is not actually a light of Zwei. It doesn't, uh, it was a complete mistranslation, right? Well, not a complete mistranslation because there, there is some stuff in here about light. Um, We'll talk about that in a minute, but yeah, it, it, I think I think it just it was just a weird translation um, that people were talking about, but it just never it was just it was just incorrect, right? It, that that actually I am completely wrong, and I'm I am I am speaking mistruths on the internet. The light of Zwei is in fact real, and it is referenced in the Japanese text. There is a cipher card that mentions the light of Zwei as well. There's no, as one of there's no possible fucking There is a cipher card where Leaf has the light of Zwei. Uh, it turns out that what it means is the dyadic light in English, which is meant to symbolize the two holy bloods that Leaf bears. Baldur and, and Nova, or Nyorun. Nyorun, uh... The light of two holy bloods is that 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 is the light of two, since Zwei means two in German. I think I remember the 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 fan theory for the time being that since Leaf was the second hero of Yudral behind Selif, that was why he was the light of Zwei. Uh, but it appears to be a more in reference to his holy blood. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, because Selif also has go. two Holy Bloods. Yeah, he does. So, so that, it ties into him as well. Ares only has only has one. Um, and more more recent translations kind of work Ares into here for some reason. That might actually be more of a Project Exile thing. I don't know if Little Manster does that. Um, the actual quote is... Um, uh, when the three lights converge as one, darkness shall be banished from the living world. Now, the third light here, I believe, is supposed to reference Ares. Um, although you could also argue that because they both have two holy bloods, but to, between the two of them, they only have three because both of them have Bal- uh, Baldur. Um, so it might be referring yeah. to Baldur holy blood, Nova holy blood, and uh, Naga holy blood. So that could be it as well. Um, or Ares. Uh, I always thought it was Ares, even though Ares is like not an important character in fe4 Not he's really. kind of like he's it's important to like the themes of the story and like the like the like the succession of stuff that happened in gen one mm-hmm. but in terms of actual plot relevant actions he's just a meathead so yeah for sure um i always the, there's this fe4 was like allergic to making their trios of heroes into trios like like gen one it was supposed to be Quan, eldegon and sigurd like, they had that dynamic. That was their trio. But Quan and Eldegon never interacted with each other. Um, and it's the same with Ares and Seleth and Leaf. You know, they're kind of meant to be, like, this this trio of, of Lightbringers. But Ares, first of all, is not important to the story. But then also, like, never does anything with Leaf. He only talks to Seleth. So, I don't know what that's about. Yeah. It makes me wish that Ares showed up in FE5. But alas. Anyway, <laughs> Sleuth finishes his conversation. He leaves. Uh... Yes, and he just goes off to, uh, and Sleuth goes off to in the A route direction, yes. and Amalda goes off in the B route direction. She show up in B route? I didn't know. I don't care. I just, you know, I, I'm, that's interesting. She's like a boss. Uh, yeah, I used to like see her there. Uh, she's like on one of the maps. Um, okay. I think cool. she's on the second. I think she's on the second B route map. Yeah, so they both take off in different directions. Um, technically, Amalda and Sleuth are both exclusive to A route. Um, for through dynamics that we'll explain, you know, at a, at a later time. But um, Sloof is Sloof is an A route exclusive character. Um, Amalda is actually still here. I should we should mention um, because she um, stays on the map with Ralph. Yeah. Yes. So after Sloof leaves, um, we get a visit from a guy named Ralph, and Ralph is a mercenary. Um, he says like, "Hey, Bishop, there's some bandits coming to attack the village." Bishop is like. We don't. Ha- we literally have nothing for, of value f- to them. Um, why would they be doing this? It turns out the bandits just want their women. Um, but Ralph is like, you know, I'll fight them off for you. Um, it's kind of you know characterizes him pretty well. Like they can't pay him. They they're too dirt poor to pay this man. Um, despite him being ostensibly a mercenary. Um, but he's like, you know what? I'll fight for you because you were there for me in my time of need or whatever. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fight to defend you guys. Um, so he and Amalda fight as green units uh, on the map for a while near this church in the middle of the map. Yeah, um, they fend off the, the bandits coming from the north, the main force of enemies. Yes. Um, now, Ralph is recruitable. Uh, Amalda is not. N- not right now, at least. But Ralph, you can mm-hmm. get this map um, if you talk to him with Leaf. And yeah, I mean, the map is pretty straightforward. There are a few bandits on either side, but the mass, the vast majority of enemies from this map come from the top. Um, there are three um, uh, fortresses, like forts, on the top of the map, um, and every turn they spawn more and more re- bandit reinforcements. Some of them have uh, swords, some of them have bows, some of them, like, there are a few warriors, you know, stuff like that. I think it changes every few turns. 
Um, yeah, they, they pour out of the forts one after another. Yeah, there's a lot of them. It can be a little overwhelming. This map is definitely, it's not that hard, but like, it's very easy to get overwhelmed by the number of enemies that are here because there's just there's just a, a shitload of them. Um, especially towards the end, they start coming with like silver weapons. The upside is that you can end this map at literally any time because once you get Leaf to the church, um, you visit it and then that's what ends the map. Or you could have him go to one of the arrows, I guess. But the ch the church is just the church is easier. Better. You can fly him over with any any flyer yeah. and just get to the church right away. Um, this map was very annoying in my draft because uh, I did not have a flyer, so I had to run all the way around the side. Anyways, uh, you go through this map, you fight the bandits, the boss is pretty lame, he doesn't yeah. really do anything. After fending off the bandits, saving the houses, you move up to the middle of the map, uh, Amalda leaves once you approach her, and then you recruit Ralph. And then, uh... Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Ralph first. Oh yeah, Ralph. Uh, he's a guy. He's a guy. Um, he's kind of get, gets memed up a little bit as being like one of the more forgettable characters in the series. I think he's actually a pretty alright character. Not like amazing well, or anything. Two seats. He literally is like, bandits are attacking. I'm going to save you guys. And he's a cool, like he's a cool, like terrible little guy who fights out of the goodness of his heart. For sure. He, only having two scenes is, is definitely a fair argument. I would argue that he has more personality in those two scenes than like a lot of members in, of, of other Fire Emblem game casts. Um, like Trude, I would I would definitely still cast my vote for Trude as the most. Oh God, Trude! Trude is literally just like a sword man. He's a guy who holds a sword and swings a sword and has no other traits. Mm -hmm. uh, Ralph also looks like in looks like incredibly normal. At least Trude is like hideous. <laughs> Trude is like wacky looking. Trude is like a OC. But you recruit uh, Ralph joins up. He Leaf is like, Yo, what's good? Leaf from Leinster. And Ralph was like, THE Leaf from Leinster? Let's go! Yo, you're trying to pay me some money and I help you uh, fight some guys? And Leaf's like, sure, man. Why, why you really want to join up? And he's like, bro, the Empire sucks. I cannot stand another day of this. And he's like, alright, join up. And then, like, so... Yes. Ralph, Ralph is very clearly motivated to, to join up. And he does. And as it turns out, Ralph is actually a pretty good unit. Yeah, he's he slaps, man. He's really good. You want to talk about him? Uh, yeah, there's not actually too much to say. Uh, Ralph is a pre-promote hero. Uh, he has, I think, A swords and C axes. Let me uh, are his weapon ranks. Uh, uh, yes, A swords and C going on B axes. He has almost, he comes with, uh, almost B weaponry, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, but his bases are very good. Um, 14 speed at base. 14 con. Okay. Uh, so he can we almost wield a steel axe with no penalty, uh, and his his stats overall are just very high and competent. Um, if if you're playing like zero percent growths, uh, incredible unit to rely on in, in the mid to late game because his stats at base are just so high. So you don't even need to like invest in his level ups to use him. If there's ever a map where you're like two units short of deployment, and you're like and you want to deploy Max, and you're like, hmm, who can I toss in that'll, that'll do the job? He's like Ralph is the is the best generic unit ever. Yes, he's he's like I, the best way I could describe him is he's like the best. He's he's like he's like just below that top tier of like you know Finn and Asvel and like Dean and all those guys. He like all all those big heavy hitter carries and like the top tier, and then like right below them is where I'd put like Ralph, maybe just like a little bit lower. But yeah, uh, Ralph is crazy. Yeah, uh, he's great, great pickup, great pickup to have. Uh... Do you have anything else you want to say about Ralph? 
No, I think we should talk about the next thing that happens on yes. the map after Crew Ralph, Amalda leaves, and then... Turn 11. After some time passes, turn 11, a familiar face will pop out from a fort at the top of the map. The, the Prince Shannon of Isaac has made his appearance. I can't believe he's here. And he starts running. He's got a lot of important work to do back at Isaac, protecting yeah. his people from the Empire. He's... You know, he he's he's a magnanimous man, and in his generosity, if Marita happens to pass by during his uh, crucial excursion, uh, he will make some time for his distant relative. Uh, spoilers. Yeah, I guess that's true, huh? <laughs> no, but he, we find that out in, like, Chapter 6, I think, right? Yeah, we find out that, that we find out about the Mark of Ode or whatever, uh, and that... Uh, so some order eventually has to learn about that. But um, uh, Marita approaches Shannon and is like, <gasps> It's Prince Shannon! Or no, 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 no. She approaches him and she's like, and he's and she's like, who are you? Are you an, are you an enemy? Are you one of the Empire's soldiers? And he's like, hey, you should put that sword away. I don't, I don't want to cut down clueless little girls like you. And he like does like an edgy pose. That's that's right. I remember now. It's been it's been a, it's yes. been a while. You want to just you know what you want to just read it line for line for line. You want to be Marita or Shannon? Yeah, let's let's read. I don't care who I am. I'll be Marita. Okay, go for it. All right, I'm, I've got the wiki. <laughs> Hold. Who are you? Another one of the Empire's lapdogs? How uncouth! If you wish to live, turn your blade aside. I didn't learn the technique of Astra just to waste it on cutting down clueless little girls like you. Astra. But, but that's the secret art of the Isaacian royal family. That would make you... Correct. It is I, Prince Shannon of Isaac, but I've been forced to hide my identity. So do us both a favor and forget you ever saw me. Prince Shannon, I would ask something of you. Keep, keep your voice down, would you? Let's avoid any surprises, shall we? Please, you must teach me some of your swordplay. I beg of you. It doesn't have to be a prolonged lesson. Just knowing the secret of how to perform Astra would be enough. Dot, dot, dot. Please, Prince Shannon, I want, no, I need to become stronger. No matter what, I must go stronger. Well, I could take you through the motions, I suppose. Would you? Oh, I'd be in your debt. This has gone This has gone from bad to worse. Guess I'll just ramble off some vague nonsense about swordsmanship. Knowing the movements of the technique is important, of course, but the more important, the more, but more important is your spirit, your heart. When the swiftness of your body becomes one with the sharpness of your mind, only then are you capable of learning Astra. My body and my mind? Indeed. Now, to begin with, make a simple swing with your sword. But how should I swing it exactly? Could you demonstrate? Just once? Uh, no. That would defeat the whole point. Astra can only be mastered through your own attempts to understand it. If I were to demonstrate it, all you would learn is how to imitate me. Yeah, that sounded good. So that's how it is, huh? All right, I'll just try something. Yeah. No, not like that. You're doing it completely wrong. Hiya! No, no, you're just flailing your sword around like you're blindfolded. It's about using your body and your mind together, remember? Your body is working, but your mind isn't in it. Lady, I am selling you a bill of goods here. Focus my mind into my body. Focus my mind into my body. Hiya! And this is important to describe. The game enters a combat sequence where Marita activates the Astra skill, and Astra's at Shanam, who dodges all five attacks. Yes. <laughs> and after this resolves, the con conversation continues with, What was that? I can't believe it. No way. 
No, that can't be it. It really, it, it isn't really that easy, is it, Prince Shannon? Huh? Well, well, uh, no, of course not, my pupil. You couldn't call that a perfected astra. That's what I thought. I mean, that t- hardly took any time at all. Uh, at, at any rate, I promise to show you the motions, and I've made good on my word. I'll be taking my leave now. Thank you for everything, Prince Shannon. Focus my mind into my body. Focus my, my body into my mind. Man, what was up with that girl? And then the cutscene ends, <laughs> and she has learned Astra. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the single best comedy scene in the entire series. It is. It is definitely like one of the funniest moments in the entire series for me. Like the fact that he peddles anime bullshit to someone and it works. It's so fucking good. Um, and I mean, there's there's like some more complicated stuff we could get. Like I think it's pretty interesting that like she she like it literally picks it up in two seconds <laughs> to, to me that implies like oh well maybe maybe it actually maybe maybe it all it is all just anime bullshit i don't know um maybe it actually is and that the the vaunted techniques of the house aren't actually that complicated and that more people could learn it than they realize like it raises a lot of questions yeah for sure i mean she does cool. have owed holy blood but like you know that doesn't so does so does holland and he doesn't know it so it's not like it's a guaranteed thing right um, but yeah, no, I just, this is a really funny scene. I mean, honest, Shanam is, I would say, probably the funniest character in the series for me. Um, it's such a funny premise for a character. And it gives Marina another crazy skill to use. She yeah. gets Astra. She's really, I know, I don't know if I ever talked about Marita's perf when I, in her join map, but it's a brave sword, basically, and it gives her, like, a, I think it gives her Luna or Nile. It gives her Nile, that's what it is. It gives her Nile, yes. Uh, just fucking, it's just, like, the fact that it's a brave sword is just fucking crazy. Um, but yeah, so, uh, after, after you, you know, capture as many enemies as you want, um, or as many as you can handle, uh, you get to the, the, um, the church in the middle of the map with Leaf, um, and he basically gives you the, uh, the option to go to Route A or Route B, um, and you can make this choice, uh, this is going, it's only, it's only a two map route split, so it's not as bad as it could be. Um, it's not like four or five maps, like some of the later games have route splits, but yeah. So, um, whatever, whatever side you pick, you know, I, I recommend, you know, you kind of go for whatever you feel like, whatever sounds most interesting to you. Um, a route mm-hmm. is considered to be the easier and the less obnoxious of, of the, of the two options. And the B route has, uh, more rewards in terms of rare, it has a lot of rare weapons, stuff that can only be gotten on that route. Uh, a, a second, uh, Puji for Orson. Uh, the only way to get a second Puji in the game uh, mm-hmm. is on B route. Uh, there is a Luna scroll uh, that is only on B route, whereas the Soul scroll is only on A route. Uh, there, there are mul- there are multiple options. Um, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give like an in depth list of like the items you get like when I do those. Next episode is going to be I'm going to be doing four maps. It's just going to be 16 and 17, but I'm going to be doing them for both routes. So. That'll be that'll be real fun. I hope you I hope you have fun with the warp tails. Oh man, <laughs> I've, I've, I'm so I'm so well. Hey, it'll prepare me because I'm gonna have to do um, what is it, twenty four x or twenty five x? Yeah, twenty four x is uh, yeah much different. But sixteen sixteen b is a pretty tame map aside from the warp tiles and the berserk staff guy. Twenty four x is a much different beast. That's uh, not a fun chapter. Mm-hmm. That's that's a problem for future you to deal with. Okay, so um, that's it for chapter fifteen, um, and that's it for our chapters for the episode.
right. So uh, once again, I would like to thank you for joining me today, Spike. Oh, my pleasure. Glad to be here. Um, it was really fun to, to tackle this with somebody else for once. Um, and I, I intend to hopefully have more people on in the future, including you, if you ever decide you want to come back. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so this has been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I hope yeah. you uh, have a nice rest of your day, man. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks for having me. Have a good day, everyone in the audience as well. Bye-bye. All right. Now, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed having him on. Um, he might come back. I don't know. Um, or I might have more people in the future. We'll see how that goes. Um, but just me, just you and me now, just just like old times, just the two of us. Um, <laughs> I, I was listening back to some older episodes, and um, I think the audio quality has improved a lot. I mean, obviously, I have a better microphone. I'm, like, projecting my voice a lot more. I'm doing this, like, in my own apartment rather than, like, 10 p.m. in my parents' house, um, so I'm able to be a lot louder. Um, but... I was listening to some of those old episodes and I think that there was like a kind of a, a charm to like um, kind of like the ASMR vibe I had going on. You know, I was talking very quiet. I was talking very close to the microphone. Um, and I think that that was that was kind of fun. I, I enjoyed that. So I maybe you know, maybe I'll bring it back. You know what? Maybe every every fog of war map that uh, that is um, darkness based, um, you know, like battle before dawn. Maybe I'll maybe I'll take a very ASMR approach. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how what, what the future brings. Um, hopefully, you know, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um, it definitely took a lot longer. Like I am, geez, what, what are we at for? Oh my God, we're three hours for this shit. Um, that's going to be a pain to, to, um, edit, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, so hopefully you guys did as well. I will be, uh, now talking about the usual stuff that we talk about at the end of these. So we'll, we'll do the map gauntlet and then, you know, uh, news and the stuff that I've been doing. Um, so in terms of our map gauntlet, uh, best chapter that we played this episode, I don't think, you know, it's any surprise that it's going to be chapter 14. Um, it's incredible. Best defense map in this, was not not the best. I, I have a, I have an opinion on what the best one is, but um, it is definitely one of the best for me. Um, and, and in general, I think it's, I don't know if it's my favorite map in the game, but it's a very, very solid contender. Um, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, so yeah, and chapter 14X is not, is not good. It's just a bad map. 15, I think is actually pretty solid. Um, you know, it's just a nice little reprieve from the, from the kind of climactic maps that we've been seeing, um, for a while now. Um, so I think, I think that that was, that was nice, but it's, it's, you know, just, just pretty good. It's not incredible. Um, so I do think that that chapter 14 is going to win for this episode. Um, and then compared to chapter three, um, I think it is actually going to be the first map to properly dethrone chapter three. I know uh, chapter nine did for a while there, but I changed my mind. Chapter three came back um, and it has been on top for uh, the past couple episodes now. So it's, it's nice to see. Um, chapter three is a great map. I love it a lot. Um, but chapter 14, I think, really just blows it out of the water. Um, it's, it's just a really, really fun experience for me personally. Um, yeah, hopefully you guys agree. Um, if not, <laughs> I don't care. Um, but you know, that that's, that's, that's all that I have to say about that. Um, no, obviously I want to hear what your guys' opinions are. You know, what, what do you think of chapter 14? Do you think it's fun? Um, what is your favorite map in the game so far? Uh, stuff like that. Um, oh wait, no, hold on. Was chapter 13? No, chapter 13 beat chapter three. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, the fact that I didn't even remember that, it should be an indicator that, yeah, it, it beats Chapter 13 as well. Chapter 13 is, is quite good. I, I like Chapter 13 a lot. 
yeah, that's I mean that's all I have to say about that. Chapter fourteen is still better in my opinion, um, and I think that uh, it's it's just a, a more a more well rounded experience. So now, uh, so yeah, now chapter fourteen is our reigning champ, and we'll see if anything beats that next episode. Uh, chapter sixteen and seventeen, A and B, probably not. I don't think there's anything in there that would that would pose a threat. Um, I have one map in mind that I think is a contender to beat it, but after that, I don't think we're gonna see anything. Um, so chapter 14 could very well be the best map in Thracia. Um, we'll have to see. All right. Um, and then in terms of news, uh, we have one thing that I saw. Um, Lilina and Roy figures got announced. They're not coming until a year from now in October, uh, September, October 2023. Um, but they look really, really good, actually. And I might, you know, I might hop on at some point, especially since around that time, I'll probably be playing FE7. Oh, whoops. <laughs> uh, I was still on the Discord call and I got I got disconnected. I gotta see what this is. There's something called Fire Emblem Castle Conversations. Oh, yeah. So it's just, there's like an interview with some voice actors. Um, I believe it's the, is this the, obviously the Claude voice actor, um, Joe Zyja has really made a uh, name for himself as being very recognizable. Um, and Erica Mendez, who voices Bernadetta. I've heard that name before. I don't know else she does but um yes so and then that's it so no no real new news um unfortunately i mean the the figures are cool i like i like seeing new figures um and then in terms of what i've been doing i'm going to try to keep this short because we are already at over three hours so this is going to be fun to edit um but it was worth it um i've i've been playing a lot of games i've been i beat i the somnium files 2 worse than the first game i liked it pretty well it just wasn't that that good um in in my opinion compared to the previous game um and then i've been playing more trails i hopped on the the uh fourth trails game trails of uh, trails to zero i think um i have b barely played that at all though so i don't really have much to say about it and yeah so i've been and then i've just been watching a lot of anime i finished rakugo shinju um that was the, sorry not not the whole thing just season one um that was pretty good um, I watched, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I watched Kaguya's Love is War. That was really good. Um, anything else? A couple, a couple more here and there. Oh, I finished the Hajime no Ippo anime. That is fucking incredible. I love Hajime no Ippo. I'm going to start reading the manga soon. Um, there's probably a couple more, but that's, that's really all that I'm interested in talking about. Um, and then the last thing that I wanted to talk about is I have started watching, um, Twin Peaks. Uh, really good show. Uh, I know David Lynch has become like a really famous director. I don't know if he was at that time, um, but I, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm a bit of, I'm a little bit uncultured when it comes to film. If I'm going to be honest, um, I haven't really seen any of his films um, or any of his other TV shows. So I think, uh, I think this is going to be the first experience with Lynch um, that I have. I think that he's, he's, he seems to be a pretty well loved director. So I think, I think it's going to be a good time. Um, I'm about a few episodes into season two, but episode or sorry, season one is only like eight episodes, so it's not that, it's, it's, I'm like 11 or 12 episodes in, um, and that's really it for me, um, I, uh, the reason I wanted to get into Twin Peaks specifically is because my favorite cartoon ever, um, at least non-anime cartoon, is, uh, Gravity Falls, and Twin Peaks is a huge inspiration for Gravity Falls, and you can, you can absolutely see that, um, in, like, the tone, in some of the comedy, um, and you know, just generally like the vibe, um, I think is, is really interesting. 
to, to see the comparisons there. But yeah, so I'm going to wrap this up here because, I, you know, if I haven't complained about it enough already, um, three whole hours of this shit is going to be a pain in the ass to edit. But, you know, it is what it is. So anyway, um, the more I talk about it, the more the more of a problem it's going to be. So I'll talk to you guys later um, and uh, have a good rest of your night. Bye bye. Thank you.